episode 120, Red Leaf Retrocast. Ricky, what do you want to talk about? Oh my gosh, <laughs> we have so much to catch up on. Um, we were in the same place. We were, and then I got really sick. <laughs> I know. It's, it's wild because I've gotten really sick every year I've been to uh, Heavy Lies the Crown, and this year somehow I avoided it. I'm sorry that you're the one who got it, though. Well, clearly, like, I was messed up before. Like it's, That's true. Like, we you got weren't there. feeling great going into it. No, I totally lost my voice. Bronchitis kicked in. It was, it was a mess. Then I got, like, an actual, like, cold Then and we stuff. were drinking After and that, cheering. Yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> the drinking and the cheering didn't help. My attempt at cheering? <laughs> you were You were cheering. I was trying. You you were you were cheering. I was drinking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So on this episode, we got uh, the the rest of all, all three shows that we went to. Kind of loose thoughts over that. Some good matches. Some mm-hmm. bad. We got uh, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom. We're finally get to talk about uh, the last month of AEW. Kind of a crash course on just kind of loose thoughts. And I kind of want to just talk about good wrestling matches. Really. Yeah. For sure. Because there's been, been plenty. There's, there's been a, there's been a lot. There's been some good things going on, lots of good builds, and uh, from there, I will kind of just take it into the Puro Josie section of talking a little bit of Dragon Gate, <laughs> kind of short on Final Gate there, uh, catching up on all things Stardom and the Joshi scene, and uh, will I have some announcements? I have some announcements. Ooh, yes. So the so if you're subscribed to the Patreon, patreon.com slash redleaf retrocast, uh, as you know, there's still gonna be the LLPW reviews, Joshi 2010s, there's no change there. But every year I kind of like doing different uh things on whatever tier. And uh last year was kind of the Western Joshi articles, the best of women's wrestling outside Japan. That kind of mm-hmm. uh came to an end uh, at the end of last year. And uh, got some good feedback on that, basically just kind of informing everybody of the scene outside uh, there. So I'll have a couple more articles kind of uh, summarizing the year. I uh, got one in the works of uh, top 10 matches of the year, top 10 wrestlers of the year. Nice little short things there. But the uh, the bi- the last big one came out uh, about a week ago and threw that out there. covered November and December. Uh, and then for this year... I will be doing a Pure J podcast on the Patreon with, uh, with JPQ once a month. We'll be covering the very small Joshua promotion, Pure J, formerly JWP, uh, before they uh, had to change their name. Mm. Um, so that's going to be that's going to be a big five dollar tier one. Is the Pure J podcast? We'll talk a little bit of Pure J on the main podcast because. Uh, I when I was sick, I ended up doing a huge binge watch of the Pure J kind of catalog on their YouTube subscription that they got. Uh, they got basically every single show that they did from 2022. I kind of watched like all of it, and oh. I was impressed. I I, w- I was impressed with what they what they do, what they did, what they accomplished. I do have uh, critiques of what they're what they're doing, but. Uh, 2023 is going to be a, be a big, big uh, Pure J coverage year. 
Um, I'm really looking forward to that as I really battle the cat next to me. He's he's being very strange right now. <laughs> like he's he's playing with my arm. He's trying to get on the mic stand. This is wild. Uh, bad kitty. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you're if you're not familiar with Pure J, because I, I listen to some other Joshi podcasts, I, I read some articles. Uh, nobody covers Pure J. It's a very, um, well, uh, not covered promotion, and I think it deserves the limelight. So that's going to be a big focus in 2023. Is that is that promotion with its its own dedicated Patreon podcast and uh, some some uh, loose thoughts. <clears throat> that will be covered on this main show. And of course, if you um, are still interested in a lot of the retro stuff, WCW and All Japan Women will continue after this podcast. Uh, we just wanted to take a break with the holidays and everything, and then uh, me getting sick and everything. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get the time to record with Tanner or, e- <laughs> or even muster up the courage to watch a Vince Russo WCW uh, while I was in a, a, a poor state mentally and physically. <laughs> oh, goodness. But that will, all, that will all continue on the next one. That's the uh, All Japan Women uh, feed, All Japan Women Destiny. And um, yeah, would really appreciate the support. And I'll, I'll have some other written articles and, and some episodes that I'll be doing across the year of just uh, things that are interesting. I did in uh, annual Joshi stats of 2022 mm-hmm. of all statistics outside of stardom. I cover stardom heavily on this podcast with all the statistics with every episode. And I, I uh, been gathering up all the information of certain stats of the other promotions. So I'm going to be writing up an article there that will also go up on the Patreon. There you go. Lots of plugs, lots of announcements. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So let's tackle this restival, eh? Okay. Yeah. So we went to three shows up here in New England. I guess for you, it'd be over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got the visit. It was very nice <clears throat> seeing you. Uh, the one year anniversary. <laughs> Our friend anniversary. Yeah. Because that's how we met. We just bumped into each other at Restival last year, hit it off, and look at us now. Yeah, uh, doing a podcast. You'll, you'll. I think you're coming up on six, seven months of doing this with me, which I really appreciate. Yeah, I think we started in June or July. Yeah. Yeah. So the first show we went to was on a Friday, kind of early in the night. <clears throat> it was the IWTV Class of Twenty Two show. Uh, one thing, <clears throat> one thing I noticed just from. Uh, not just the cards that were built for the weekend, mm-hmm. but also the attendance, or mm-hmm. therefore the attendance of these cards. Yeah. You noticed, and I noticed, that the Thursday show that focuses on Wrestling Open uh, for the holiday had like 400 people there at the White Eagle. Yeah, so there was a lot going on at that show. Um, again... Uh, I'm guessing it had some, I mean, part of it was the holiday, right? So people were probably off the next day. A lot of people were off the next day. Um, but it was the largest attended wrestling open ever. It was like 421 people. And then Friday night, there was like nobody there. Right. And that, that was a very strange 
kind of occurrence of what the weekend was because you would think with New Year's and New Year's uh, the day before, well, New Year's Eve and the day before New Year's, that mm-hmm. people would want to go out, and that and wasn't both, the case. It fell on a weekend this year, so it, yeah, I thought it would be well attended. Um, I thought last year was well attended, so this yeah. was strange. Uh, one thing you did know was that the ticket prices for the rest of all went up this year, so I'm guessing that might have affected attendance. Uh, I I would be a betting man that that has something to do with it for sure. Is 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 the uh, increased ticket prices? People picking and choosing the shows that they want to go to. Because uh, I was one of those people last year that just got the package deal. Same, same. That's I think how we found each other. We kept seeing each other at. <laughs> yeah, we, we, just, we went. Yeah, we'd go to. We were both so alone, many. right? So yeah. And then yeah. for this year, for just about the same price, went to three shows instead of. Yeah. Well, four or five. Uh, or we just nine had to pick that were scheduled for right. nine shows this weekend, this year. Yeah, that that was uh, an interesting observation I had. But also, like the restaurants and everything in the area, like no, nobody was opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything was closing early before nine o'clock, kind of deal. Because we went out after the IWTV class of twenty two, and we're like, everything's mm-hmm. closed. This is very weird. And it was a Friday night. Yes. On a holiday weekend. Yeah, very strange. So overall, the the attendance was strange. Uh, the town was strange. Um, and I and I don't think it's a random occurrence that's just that just took place in New England uh, for New Year's mm-hmm. weekend. I think this is a this is a trend that we're seeing increase uh, as inflation goes up, as mm-hmm. people are starting to pick and choose things that they go to, and you need to put together. Uh, better cards and more interesting matches i think mm-hmm. to draw your audience really convince them that their dollar is worth the price and i think this is just my theory that wrestling open has been in the town every thursday for basically a year now okay oh. they just celebrated their their one year uh, anniversary of doing it mm-hmm. and kind of that end of year show was like a culmination of the investment in a lot of those wrestlers and seeing them develop. And it very much vibed with the people in attendance and they all wanted to be there to experience it. And that's been my, one of my major critiques of beyond wrestling's major shows is they aren't booking seemingly, uh, well, show to show essentially. Stories. Mm hmm. Agreed. Well, Beyond doesn't really have a show. Like, all they do now is big shows, since Wrestling Open is technically not Beyond. Beyond isn't telling stories between shows, and they're not doing enough within the show to uh, tell stories. Right. Uh, I mean, there are people from Wrestling Open that are showing up on... Right these beyond shows but what is what what is what is the level of us being interested in going from show to show when it more or less just seems like they're they're just throwing matches on a card and mm-hmm. honestly this might sound uh, harsh but i don't think the talent is very capable of doing it just like it, 
if you're going to do that, the in-ring talent has to be outstanding. Hmm. Like, there has to be a high level to that. And if you if we just look at like the heavy lies the crown card, who got the hmm. biggest reactions out of the show? The people that are there seemingly every Thursday, Channing Thomas yeah. and Sydney Bacabella, Ryan yeah, Gallio, uh, mm-hmm. Ichiban, uh, uh, Bobby Orlando. Like these uh, people he, are there. He, yeah. Like yeah. these are the people eliciting the biggest reactions from the crowd uh, rather than, say, um, Atticus Kogar against Slade. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which we'll get we'll get to yeah, that match. Well, but. well, that's a good point too because Heavy Lies the Crown is, you know, between Heavy Lies the Crown and American Rana, those are their, you know, biggest shows of the year. Um, and up until twenty twenty one, they were still getting huge name indie talent, including people like. Wheeler Yuta, John Silver, Chris Statlander, who have obviously all gone on to do bigger things, but we're still returning to do beyond. Um, and none of those aims were this year. Um, the only AEW talents that were on Heavy Lives the Crown were uh, Willow, JD Drake, and Max Caster. Which is. <laughs> A little ironic because the JD Drake uh, Max Caster match uh, didn't go over so well. <laughs> no, okay, let's let's start on Friday. Let's go back to Friday night. Let's go in order. Let's go back to Friday night with the Class of Twenty Two show. Um, this had uh, uh, quarterfinals and semifinals for the tag team tournament. Um, I thought all of those tag matches were really good. Um, I thought they were very the- entertaining. We really enjoyed Culture Inc. versus C4. Neither of us knew a whole lot about Culture Inc. before that night. Um, they impressed me. At least they I imp- didn't. They left, an, they left an impression on me. I, I liked Culture same. Inc. I liked their athleticism. I liked what they got. And uh, we ended up getting a real good match between them and uh, the Miracle Generation. Yes, that was the uh, my final match right after... Um, Culture Inc. beat C4. I was shocked to my <laughs> core uh, that C4 didn't move on in this tournament um, because C4 only had one other match that weekend uh, versus Brick City Boys the next night. Um, or no, later that night. Yeah, the, um, the Prestige show, I think we, we know why the attendance was a little lower. It was it started at 11 p.m. It was an 11 p.m. Oh, start time. Uh, I, was, I was exhausted by the end of that show. I was hammered, so. Yeah, oh, <laughs> you had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did indeed. It, it, it snuck up on me, I guess, because I was tired and we didn't, I didn't, should have eaten when you ate. I didn't snack. Although that pizza was terrible. <laughs> uh, never, no, never get a uh, Caesar pizza again. That was no good. Very disappointing. Yeah. So, but, yeah. Um, um, overall thoughts was yeah. I thought the tag matches really delivered. That was the crux of the show. And uh, I thought the uh, main event was pretty bad. <laughs> it was. I mean, oof. Parts of it were good. Um, I thought 
mean, I love seeing AC Mac work. I thought he put on a good performance. Um, I mean, most of the competitors are, I mean, they're all of the competitors have had better matches than this. Yeah. I, I thought it was kind of everybody's worst match. Uh, so the former champion was cruel who won it from mm. AC Mac on like December 9th or something. Something like that. And then he vacated the belt. Yeah. I can't remember why. So the, the title okay. was vacated. They, the, the idea was to have this massive gauntlet between AC Mac, Alex Shelley, Adam priest, Tracy Williams, Trishador, Warhorse, Hoodfoot, and Matt Tremont. We didn't know what order they were going to come out in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, the match lasted just under an hour. And it was a tough thing to get through because it was a lot of just grappling for good chunks of time. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. a lot of stuff happening. Uh, we had gone through all of these exciting tag matches. Of right. varying degrees right. of style. Yeah. And for, and for, I like, it's weird because Tracy Williams, Alex Shelley technically was good in ring, but not exciting. And then it's fo- right. it follows up with AC Mack and Tracy Williams, and they just kind of go four minutes. So you're like, ah, okay, mm-hmm. they didn't really get going. Right. Warhorse comes out, and he's not really much of a worker, but that goes eight minutes. And then Adam Priest comes out, and this is where it starts getting, like, really bad. And Adam Priest was Mm -hmm. It it got real sluggish real quick. Uh, And Adam Priest was a big kind of focus throughout the entire weekend, weirdly enough. And and I think he's better than what we saw this night. Like, we've seen him put on some pretty stellar performances. Um. When uh, when Wrestling Open moved south for a little while, um, Adam Priest was kind of the standout, right? And this was just not anything to talk about other than poorly, unfortunately. Yeah, so Adam Priest eliminates Warhorse in six seconds after AC Mack kind of low blows him or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. And... So Trisha Dora comes out and everyone's like, okay, everyone's kind of excited for it, but they do a 17 minute Matt grapple fuck. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not the best, not the best thing. And we've already gone through basically 25 minutes of essentially the same thing to varying degrees of that grappling. Mm -hmm. This crowd got super quiet. It wasn't, it wasn't good. Adam Priest, uh, I forget if he he cheated, uh, foot on the ropes kind of thing, a real flat finish. Hoodfoot mm-hmm. comes out. They do some wacky uh, outside brawl. Everyone's already lost at this point. Uh, he gets, I think, counted out. Uh, very unclear like what exactly happened. And then Matt Tremont comes out, and I, like, I didn't know he was going to come out, and my heart just sank. I go, God, we can't even get a good, fi- like, hot finish. Yeah. And they just brawled, yeah. they bled everywhere, and then Matt Tremont is your new <sighs> IWTV champion. And I just shook my head. I just go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. "This ain't it." We gotta. I I was I was extremely disappointed in that main event and had to get some food. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I mean, we were literally just like waiting for it to end so we could leave. Unfortunately. I hate saying that about any wrestling 
specifically yeah. wrestling with with specifically a match with this caliber of opponents um just was not good yeah alex shelley being eliminated first i, th- I think really set the tone for how we're gonna feel about yeah, it yeah he had well. a long weekend though so i'm not surprised he didn't um spend more time in the gauntlet but i mean i think you just need more dynamic wrestlers in there at different times to kind of set better yeah. tones uh we moved on Wait. to prestige the next night and the oh, that was the same night later that same night or late what did 11 i say PM start. yeah yeah later that night the next night my bad uh, later that night, I thought Prestige had a pretty okay show. I really liked. I re- yeah. obviously the standout match everyone's talking about or coming out of this weekend in general is the Anthony Henry Robert Ma- Martyr match. Yes, sixteen and a half minutes. Robert Martyr got the shit kicked out of him. Uh, I it, did. It was. It, it was. It, it felt like a hazing, a welcome to the big leagues, kid, uh, kind of mm-hmm. deal, but. <clears throat> Clearly, it was meant to be physical. It was meant to be a you've earned it kind of moment. Yes. And for Robert yes. Martyr, he came out of it with big smiles. The whole locker room was watching the match. Because uh, yeah. I guess, I don't know, it, it, it developed that feeling that's pretty rare in wrestling to get. Uh, I was pretty worried for the kid uh, <laughs> at yeah. first because there's a moment like at the beginning where they kind of get to a brawl outside right by us, by the way. Uh-huh. And yep. then Henry gets him in kind of the scoop slam position and he kind of trips a little bit and he's supposed to like throw him, throw his back onto the post, but his like oh, face mm-hmm. hit it instead. And yeah. I just went, oh shit. Uh, and his eye swelled, like Robert Martyr's eye swelled up. It got real black. Uh, he was, mm-hmm. his face was just in a, in a bad position. Uh, after that, yeah. and uh, <laughs> the the icing on the cake is in that move. Henry's about to like drop him accidentally. He tries to like muscle him up so he doesn't drop yeah. him on the floor, and then he just power bombs him whiplash style with the uh, apron and rope. And Ugh. it it looked it looked like a shoot because it probably was where he didn't want to drop yeah. him and he just threw him. <laughs> um, but that kind of like got it in the in the sense that this match is real. I thought was actually mm-hmm. kind of cool. And from there, they just kind of chopped the shit out of each other, dropped each other on our heads. Uh, Robert Martyr got a few real good near falls. The entire crowd got behind him. And Anthony Henry just happened to win in the end. It's not, it's not that you won, but he got over. And I thought it was easily, yes. without question, no competition, the best match of the entire weekend. Absolutely, absolutely. And you and I follow Prestige. We watch it regularly on IWTV. And I didn't know a lot about Robert Martyr, if anything. And that match absolutely served its purpose because we have eyes on him now. Um, uh, apparently, Robert Martyr, uh, I, I don't know if he's good friends, but I know I, I believe he knows uh, friends at Stardom Quest, uh, Dylan. Okay. Uh, they apparently okay. have like known each other since they were twelve or something. Mm. So well, for for him, I'm sure he's kind of all smiles, uh, looking at a guy he kind sure. of grew up with, or at least knew. That's awesome. Knew in passing. Um, so that's kind of cool. So shout out to Stardom Quest there. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, Anthony Henry though, 
he that had was a great his weekend. Whole weekend. That was his whole weekend was just putting over, uh, thing people like Robert Martyr over. Um, it, he had a great weekend. Bobby Orlando had a great weekend. Um, yeah, he uh, he defeated Chris Brady on the show. Those two were probably the standouts. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I mean my yeah. Besides Anthony Henry, I think the big takeaway was uh, the other guys were uh, Bobby Orlando. I really liked what Davy Richards brought uh, in his oh, couple he had matches. Oh, a good weekend. Yeah, <clears throat> and um, Ichiban. Ichiban oh, yeah. had a real good weekend. Yes, he did. Well, he had that match versus Anthony Henry, oh, uh, yes. which we'll talk about. Uh, which we'll talk about when we get to Heavy Lies the Crown. But um, I just loved being. A prestige show, um, even though there were only like 15 people there because it was 11 p.m. Um, <laughs> I didn't think I would get to a prestige show. I'm glad it kind of came to us, even though obviously I'm traveling. Um, um, I thought I was going to have to make a special trip to the Pacific Northwest to see prestige. Um, so that was really nice. Um well, they got know, Athena versus Mia coming up here in a couple of weeks. I know, but like we've been following a lot of people who wrestle uh, for prestige, like before, like Alan Angels, like um, uh, Sonic um, you know. So seeing some of those people on the East Coast was really, really just fun. Um. And then the main event that night was a match that I had been looking forward to all weekend or, you know, for months, Motor City Machine Guns versus American Wolves. Um, yeah, good old TNA match from about a decade ago. Yeah, <laughs> but like, what else can you say about those four guys? Um, yeah, they worked an American was, style tag. It was well done. Yeah. Uh, no complaints about it. it. I mean, it went 17 minutes. Uh, Motor City uh, won, and um, yeah, yeah, it did everything yeah. I wanted it to do. It really yeah, did. Exactly. But it it had been looking forward to that match since it was announced, and it it lived up to expectations. Beyond heavy lies the crown. Uh, they had a million matches on the card. Yeah, it was a long night. Very, um, but that's what happens. Very long when, night. That, very expected. That's what happens though. when you when the whole gimmick is that you do the first match of the year at midnight, right? So it's you know it's gonna be a long night. Yeah, um, but I, I I don't think I didn't I never felt I got kind of cheated on time for matches. I mean, outside of one match, I thought was very strange. But uh, just running down the card here real quick: Jody Threat defeats yeah. Trisha Dora six minutes. Channing Thomas defeats Ryan Clancy six minutes. That was a fun match. Fancy Clancy. That was so fun. So fun. Those guys. See, that's the kind of, and I totally get it. That's straight out of wrestling open on Thursdays. That yep. match, Thomas Clancy. And guess what? It was over. Ryan Clancy is is straight up the nerd. Just he's a 19, like 10 strongman handsome mm-hmm. against Channing Thomas, who's uh, got the gimmick of he is from world class wrestling, old school nineteen like eighty one, <laughs> and they're doing simple heel stuff. It's uh, it's fun, it's fun. Uh, Love Doug, tender yeah. weapon. This is a recurring thing and beyond now. It's uh, I think it's run its course personally. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the tender weapon gimmick. Yeah, 
that's fun. They defeated LMK Ted Goods comedy match. Uh, I I keep saying uh, for this. the for the listeners who don't know, Tender Weapon is Tracy Williams in a mask that has he like a giant heart sure is. on it. He sure <laughs> is. I I just want to see Ted Goods in like big heavy singles matches in main events. I think the guy yeah. is too good to be kind of utilized in this LMK comedy gimmick. I I enjoy their chemistry and um. It's funny. Um, he he definitely gets wrestling, <laughs> but you're right. He's better than that. Yeah, I, like the chemistry is good, but they don't utilize it in the way to maximize the value. It's it's just mm-hmm. utilized in matches like this for comedy way too often. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Galeone defeats Gabe Sky. Uh, good five minute match. This was, yeah. <laughs> this was just fantastic. This is, so I don't know how many times I have to come on here, whether it's, um, in my, uh, Joshi 2010s reviews or mm-hmm. talking about AEW or whenever I'm talking in conversation to people about WWE, like a giant can sell to get the little guy over. It's just mm-hmm. how he sells. Well, first of all, mm-hmm. he has to sell something. You can't just no sell an entire match uh, right. or not take bumps and expect it to get over. Uh, that's called selfish wrestling. <laughs> and Ryan Galeon did not do that. He asserted his very big dominance haha, mm-hmm. uh, early against Gabe Sky. And Gabe Sky is like in phenomenal shape. He can fly around the ring well. And it and it built up well enough to the point where they got a few near falls with Gabe Sky. He's hitting tornado yeah. DDTs. Galleon's now bumping. They led up to it. I mean, it's a classic formula match, and it and it worked so That's... well. It got over in five minutes for a short it match. It, it it very much exceeded expectations. Yeah, I'm not sure I had seen Gabe Sky in the singles. I think I've only seen him as part of um above the rest the tag team. Right? I think you're right. I can't. I can't recall. Um, I don't remember race. ever seeing him in singles. Mm. So this, yeah, it was, it was a perfect five minute match. Like, yeah. Uh, Aaron Rourke defeats Dan Barry. Aaron Rourke looked great. Oh my goodness. He looked like a million bucks. He comes out actually very reminiscent of, uh, Mercedes Monet's entrance at this headpiece. Oh um, my God. You're right had this like headpiece that was kind of like Mercedes. Um, and he walks in like the queen bitch he is. Um, <laughs> I fucking love Aaron works so much. Uh, he's just got it. Whatever it is, he has it. He gets and, it. That's for sure. And he's trying real hard. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. Uh, Ichiban defeats Anthony Ooh. Henry. Surprise of the weekend, I think this one. Very big surprise. Um, I don't uh, think I don't think anybody had Ichiban uh, defeating Anthony Henry, especially with the weekend Anthony Henry had. No, uh, it definitely came off as a big shock. I thought this was done an, again super well. Anthony Henry um, basically was kind of having a shorter version of his beat the shit out of this guy match <laughs> yeah. that he that he had and. <clears throat> Ichiban got one over. 
Uh, hopefully, oh. like maybe we'll have a rematch of it. I I don't think they I should. Hope so I don't think they should. Oh, because oh, I then then I I would I would suspect Anthony Henry would just win, and you kind of mm-hmm. don't want to do that. I think it's a good time yeah. for Ichiban to then start facing other people coming off the win to gain more momentum because he's he's become a big home hometown favorite here. He's very over with the crowd. Uh, everyone's mm-hmm. holding up the number one kind of gimmick. It's uh, it's oh. good stuff. Okay, Kat, you're driving me nuts here. <laughs> uh, let go. Let go of my arm. <laughs> I got to cut his claws. Oh, my God. That hurt. Ooh. Uh, Eel O'Neal defeats Andy Brown. Brad Hollister defeats Rex Lawless. Tracy Williams defeats Davey Richards. 18 minutes. Solid. Uh, Barbie, Bobby Orlando defeats Warhorse. This was funny, oh. and it was wrestled well. It was, it was great. Warhorse tur- turned heel for the match. Situational uh, heel, yeah. Situational heel, which I thought was well done with uh, Bobby Orlando's goat. Uh, he kicks the goat. He swings it around with his belt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Crowd immediately reacts and hates him. So it all it all worked well, and Bobby Orlando got the win. Babyface prevails. I love this. This was the perfect example of this is like the definition of what a situational heel is horse is so over everywhere and everybody loves him as a baby face but you don't fuck with bobby jr (laughs) um this was so well done oh and then later uh later in the night and the next day uh, bobby orlando is walking around with the the stuffed goat with tape on him <laughs> like he was recovering from injuries <laughs> it was so good it's good it's good I, I like bobby orlando he's um he's uh, really leaned into the character he, and he's got all that down he had a great 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 weekend he wrestled i think almost every show if not all nine shows um and yeah he's really grown into that character i mean the character was always something but it's it's more than that now. I I can't put my finger on it, but uh, he's doing good things. I'm I'm sad that Bryce Donovan missed out on the weekend. Bryce Donovan had surgery um, right before the festival. Um, I think Bryce Donovan is also doing really good things, but I think 2023 is going to be Bobby Orlando's year. He's I mean he had a really good 2022. He's gonna have a great 2023. Willow Nightingale defeats Lufisto. Good little Lufisto match as usual. Mm-hmm. Violence is forever defeats the Miracle Generation, and it Ooh, ended okay. up being a handicap match because um, it was uh, Dustin Waller, right? Who got yeah, the? Yeah, uh, this was so stitches. well done. So, so Waller was injured the night before, had like something like twelve stitches above his eye the night before. Yeah, he got popped pretty hard in that. Uh, uh, culture Inc. match. So instead of rescheduling the match or whatever, um, the match starts with, or before the match starts, Dominic Greeny comes out of the tunnel carrying Dustin Waller's limp body like like they had, you know, beaten him up backstage or whatever. Um. And so, you know, the officials and whoever else say he can't compete. Kylon is, you know, uh, Kylon is Dustin Wally's partner in Miracle Generation. Kylon is uh, 
you know, talking him down and saying, you know, there's no way we can do this. You know, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It was just drama. This is the storytelling that I want my indie wrestling. Um, so Kylon walks Dustin back, uh, stage and then comes out and says, I'm going to do it myself. So Kylon wrestles an entire, an 11 minute match, um, versus two of the best wrestlers in the world right now. Um, at one point, um, Dustin Waller comes out to do the triumphant baby face. No, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And, uh, Ichiban comes around and, you know, stands in his way and won't let him in the ring. Like, oh yeah. Great baby, baby face stuff from the miracle generation. Great tag team wrestling from violence is forever. Um, Kylon looked amazing in defeat, um, handicapped, right. But, um, but violence is forever did win. Um, they were the right choice to win anyway, even if miracle generation had been healthy. But the fact that Kylon lasted as long as he did, I think makes it look very, uh, plausible that miracle generation as a team could maybe defeat violence is forever down the line for those belts. Yeah, you got to rebook this match uh, and have a rematch and have, I, I think you got to have Miracle Generation win, win the uh, sequel. <clears throat> I I think this match, because Kylon lasted as long as he did, proved to us, the viewing audience, that Miracle Generation can do it. Yeah, very cool match. Very enjoyable. Uh, and then the rest of the night was kind of a <clears throat> bizarre slog with Max Caster and J.D. Drake. <laughs> going 15 minutes of they tried to do like a a, a basic 19 late 1980s uh heel face type match at, at least the beginning rap at the start where they were dissing each oh, other was fun the pre stuff was phenomenal and it got the whole crowd into it we were hot for match um and then the match just fell flat yeah it it like there was nothing discernibly like bad about it. It was, it, it just didn't work and uh, it fell flat. It happens. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather see matches like this than something that's mm -hmm. ridiculous and terrible. Absolutely. It wasn't, it was fine. I don't want to say that about wrestlers who are capable of more. Um, it was just fine. Yeah, it just didn't work out on this night. It's 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 okay. Uh, and then and then the last two matches I thought were pretty ass. Uh, Atticus Kogar yeah. defeats Slade in five minutes in a thumbtack match. I don't know why they the bothered. Ending, <laughs> no, why did they even bother? And the ending was so random. Um, I don't even remember exactly how it ended, but I remember being really confused. Like, oh, uh, it was a referee stoppage, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh. Just uh, like stab the head or whatnot, and um, yeah. ended. <laughs> that was it. Bad. Bad. And oh, fans and bring then... weapons. Match was the main event. Uh, traditional at the at this point in time. Uh, it it yeah. went down exactly how I thought it would go. I didn't think this was the right match to do. Uh, maybe in the sense of the story that they were trying to tell. But look, Becca, this is not her match for her strengths. And if you're if you're a booker, 
uh, and you're and you're making a card, and you're trying to think of a blow off match, you got to play to the wrestler's strengths. And I don't even think Alec Price was all that great in this either. No, I. Becca was too afraid to use any weapons. Um. Yeah, it was it was not good. Yeah, so two out of three of the main events, uh, <sighs> pretty bad, but. Uh, I did still have fun for the weekend, and that look this be beyond heavy lies the crown. Up and uh, I would say all the way through to the violences forever miracle generation match, I had a great time. Mm-hmm. Like yep. so, that's <laughs> that's like eighty five percent of the card I thought uh, delivered to what we wanted and had a good time. It's just the uh, the main attractions, quote unquote. Uh, mm-hmm. did not and that's 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 it's always a bummer when you go to a wrestling show and you have this great show throughout most of the night and then you just kind of get left uh, with a goose egg when the last match doesn't deliver yeah yeah okay it was a fun weekend do we go through Wrestle Kingdom or do you want to do AE dubs next let's do AEW next um Gonna catch up. Okay, this will be this will be I think more on the quick side. So let me let me yeah, play the that's drop. That's what I was thinking. We'll going. Okay, AEW Dynamite. Uh, I guess we're going from December 15th until, uh, well, <laughs> January 11th, I suppose, is uh, what we're doing here. <clears throat> yep. Um, okay, so Ricky Starks, Chris Jericho, and the <clears throat> fallout from the Action Andretti match. What do you think of the story? Um... Well, I don't think we even got to talk about the Action Andretti match on the last podcast. Did we? I don't remember. Um, I'm pretty sure we did. Uh, Chris, okay, okay. Chris Jericho is doing great things. Um, is <laughs> uh, he's, he's on the run of his life. He is people over on the way I loved everything I, I, I love everything he's doing right now <laughs> oh, it's so weird <laughs> but I love it I love it I really do yeah I think it's a home run Chris Jer- if you're in a program with Chris Jericho you're going to be on TV essentially weekly to some capacity and Ricky Starks coming off the MJF title match goes right into a program with Chris Jericho. I thought uh, the match was real good. Ricky Starks won, mm-hmm. which was pretty awesome. Uh, dare I say unexpected? You would think uh, Chris Jericho, the heel, would maybe get V one, <laughs> but uh, Jericho's in this in this uh, putting over mood. And yeah, he's just coming off the ROH title run, so he can, he can take an L or two right now. And uh, the the way 
the way that match went down and everything led up to it uh, with uh, the interference and him in the walls of Jericho and then Ricky Starks fighting and then uh, getting oh. out of it. Uh, very, very good. I did like it. Um, I guess we did not talk about Action Gendretti, but that's just another example. That's okay. Big shock win. Uh, you got to do these every now and again, and Chris Jericho's the guy who couldn't kind of get away with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, respect. I don't know what else to say. Uh, what did you think of the MJF uh, Ricky Starks title match at Winter is Coming? At Winter is Coming. Oh, that's right. Um, I forgot. Oh, we're going back so far now. Um, I... Do you think the oh, heel remember. finish is overplayed with MJF? No, 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 no. No, no. Um, I think Babyface yeah. Ricky Starks is a perfect foil for this wacky MJF incarnation of pseudo Roddy Piper Ric Flair. <laughs> like his finisher is yeah. cheating. Yeah. That's MJF. Yeah. He doesn't really have a finisher, right? <laughs> well, I guess it'd be um, punching you with the Nux or Diamond Ring or some variation of yeah. that. Like, that's his finisher. He has to get mm-hmm. to that point where he can knock you out with that move. Mm-hmm. Um, we've that? had varying degrees of Blackpool Combat Club and Top Flight going to, going to battle. I've, uh, oh, I've enjoyed that. Oh, that's been good. Nice, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice little mid card stuff. As Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, uh, and company yeah. kind of get into their positions of like Moxley going after Hangman, but mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, Danielson going after MJF. All while Top Flight are kind of a thorn in their side, uh, kind of killing time up until they get that point. And I've enjoyed that that move, seeing more of Top Flight on TV. Mm-hmm. Jamie Hater versus Hikaru Shida. Oh, West, <laughs> spoiler here: Western Women's Match of the Year. Absolutely, absolutely, holy moly! Uh, I thought Jamie versus Tony was good. This was. Oof. I thought it was. I thought this one was better than that. I did too. I did too. Uh, Shida. Now, I will ask you this: Did yeah. you watch the Becky Lynch Bianca Belair WrestleMania match? did but i don't have a huge oh that was very good do you think this hater sheeta match was better recency bias i'm gonna say yes only because i don't have a lot of memories of the bianca becky match i do remember saying great things about it at the time um, cause that, that's, that's what I would have to watch them again. Yeah. But that's, that's uh, to me that that's the comparison. It's between this, uh, it's between that match, this match, um, the hater storm match. And, right. um, just for the listeners here, uh, if you haven't seen that CMLL, uh, mask match of, uh, Jaro oh, Chita yeah. and, uh, Isis, uh, that's right. a Mexico match of the year contender and one of the hottest crowds you'll ever, you'll see all year of 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, 
those are all the things. Those are the kind of the main matches I'm mulling over in my head of what uh, the the best women's matches outside Japan were this year. Sure. Uh, those are your kind of contenders, yeah. and I'm kind of I'm rewatching them all in uh, a random order to really gauge like how I feel about mm-hmm. them. And um, I'm I'm taking I'm taking kind of my own favoritism out of it over over things like. How did the crowd react? The impact on the mm-hmm. promotion, uh, what it means to the careers of the wrestlers involved, that kind of stuff. Uh, okay. So, uh, look forward to see kind of like how everything kind of comes comes together in in the ranking there. But that I mean, when I left this Hater Sheeta match, I was so happy as a fan because not only did it main event, but it delivered to this extent where. Uh, people, people of AEW fans and women's wrestling fans are calling it kind of AEW's match of the year contender. Uh, does it reach a level of any of these AEW World Trios matches? Well, maybe if you're more invested in Hater or Shida than other like top end matches AEW have had, yeah, maybe it is your AEW match of the year. It's it, it's, it's very so. cool to see. The the ending stretch after Hater uh, missed that moonsault where they're just trading mm-hmm. near falls of of the Falcon Arrow and uh, countering lariats. Uh, I didn't even mind Baker getting in the ring and Sheeta just whacking her with the stick. Get the hell out of my way! Oh no, no the the every the interference was for 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 once it actually added to the match. Um, it 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 elevated the story. It elevated the drama. Was, well, what, one thing, yeah, unwell. one thing they're doing with Hater with these uh, Britt Baker interferences is they're not directly leading to the finish, which right. is interesting because <laughs> as long as Hater keeps winning on her own, the crowd will still kind of be on her side, weirdly enough. And mm-hmm. this Jamie Hater run is somehow rubbing off on uh, Britt Baker, kind of turning a little bit of babyface, weirdly enough. Yeah. It's it's wild what good matches will do to certain wrestlers. And I have a theory developing. Ready for this? Okay, okay I'm listening. So, obviously, we're all gearing up for the Dynamite uh, that's coming up in a couple days here. That, uh, <laughs> it, well, tomorrow. Where uh, Soraya has a mystery partner and she, uh, like a bitch, uh, ignored Sheeta. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes! And oh, she does so like good. what the we hell, are brother? Getting dark Sheeta. We are getting dark Sheeta. She chooses jacked Ch- Tony Storm, uh, looking very good, by the way. She's hitting that gym. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And and the promo before that is uh, Hater and Bra- Baker giving themselves nickname the Killer and the um, the Pillar. Pillar. Uh, mm-hmm. Baker refers to herself as the Boss Wink. And so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. lots of speculation go. And I think it's, I think it's Jesus Christ, cat. <laughs> he's, he's climbing up the, uh, the shag pole Three? that's in the basement. Oh, nice. <laughs> you have to me. leave that shag carpet on the pole. Oh, he Never loves it. He, he fucking scratches it. Yeah. He climbs up it. He, he loves that thing. It's, it's ugly as sin, but it's really funny. <laughs> and he loves the thing. But anyways, um, a sidetrack there, but one comment really has stood out to me with this Britt Baker 
Soraya little rivalry thing is Baker has been calling herself and now referring to a lot of the other people in AEW as the originals. And with Soraya just outright ignoring Sheeta and choosing Tony Storm, well, what's their Mm -hmm. connection? They're from WWE. Mm -hmm. I think we're gearing up to a blood and guts match of the OGs against ex-WWE. Yes! And it's going to be like Hater and Baker. We're going to get that Hater Baker, Tony Storm, Soraya tag. And something's going to happen where it's going to lead to the mercedes Monet debut. She's going to have some angle and join up with Soraya and Tony Storm. That's my major okay. theory. I, I think that all leads to this blood and guts scenario. Okay, so on the WWE side, you would have Mercedes, Tony, Soraya, Ruby. Ruby would be Ruby could be one of them. Tay Mello could be one of them, but she's kind of preoccupied. But uh, you got Athena who came from over there. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Um, depending on what they want to do with Mercedes Martinez, she could come in, but you, know, you got two Mercedes, but that's neither. That's not really an issue. But AW doesn't give a fuck. I know who's who. <laughs> yeah. So like there, there's I plenty like of that. people I that like you that can stick. Yeah. There's plenty of people that you can stick on team WWE. And then you got, you still got a lot of your AEW original women. You got Sheeta, Hater, Baker. Uh, you got Statlander if she's healthy. Statlander if she comes back, that would be that would be a pleasant surprise. But you you got Nyla Rose. Yep. Uh, maybe Riho makes her blue unicorn appearance. <laughs> mm-hmm. There, there's oh, a lot. There's I a lot of this. options on both sides. Uh, I mean, I love this. I love it. I that's I just my it. theory that I've developed from trying to see how the story plays out. And hey, if if none of that happens, I I can't say I will. I won't. I won't be disappointed, but. It's not like I'm expecting it because they haven't they haven't told the story yet. I just think this is where the story is going. I love it. Sold. You're sold. Okay. Uh okay, so we got we got uh, we're gearing up for game 7. Okay, yes. Yeah. So, Death triangle. Yeah. Uh we had the match 4. Death triangle won that, went up 3 to 1. How dare they? Uh, that okay. has led to the evolution of the story in which all weapons are legal match, and then the epic falls count anywhere match in which the elite uh, wrecked them. Uh, and we're going yeah. to we're going to ladder war, Escalera de la Muerte, mm-hmm. game seven. Uh, I I think I think they're six for six. Uh, this has been my favorite AEW rivalry of the year uh, with their six matches at the tail end, so a, a late contender. Uh, it's been my favorite. It's six straight banger matches. The crowds all go nuts for them. It's an evolution of of the story between these two teams going up against each other, uh, mm-hmm. and it's all leading to this very epic final game, and I want to see a, a straight winner. I want to see it. I want to see who's better. That's like it's such a simple yeah. story that I just want to see a good conclusion to. That's it. I I've loved all of this. I loved how unique 
uh, and well thought out. All of these finishes have been and uh, going from match to match. Hmm? What have you got? I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> um, I thought, okay, so the, the Falls Got Anywhere match, I thought really just kept everything fresh. Um, the ending was great. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready to see a definitive. I, I, I think, I mean, the last I heard, EW hadn't decided who's winning. Ooh. Um, and I don't remember where I read that, but, um, I read that, uh, within the last week that, uh, Tony Khan hadn't decided yet who was winning. Um, I would, I want to see who is better and I want it to be death triangle. <laughs> you want it to be death triangle. Okay. I, um, I mostly hmm. because I want to see Kenny do Kenny things in singles competition. After what we saw at wrestle kingdom, it's hard not to want more of that. Now, granted it's, it's apples and oranges. Wrestle kingdom is the biggest stage. It's the biggest event of the year. We're not going to get that version of Kenny on Dynamite every week. But that's what I want. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want. Hmm. I'm okay with either team winning. Uh, I just want to see a good follow-up of the House of Black than going into a big thing with whomever comes out winning. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to see these trios titles go into uh, this perpetual state of kind of not doing much. I, I, I think AEW could be... I, I think they're on to something with these trios titles. I think they really are. They're going somewhere. Uh, Samoa Joe, king of television. He defeats Wardlow by referee's decision, and then... Uh, let's see here. He, where, where, did he do that before? Let's see. When was that? Um, no. Okay. So he defeats Wardlow, gets one over on him, takes him out backstage. And then, uh, he has a rematch against Darby Allen in Siddle where Darby Allen gets the epic comeback win in just under nine minutes. I like both these matches. Uh, good kind of short mid-card little program and they can really build off all these things and Mm -hmm. we've been gearing up for what powerhouse Hobbs is going to do next with his book of Hobbs uh I hope he I hope he slides right into feuding with Darby Allen and then Samoa Joe and Wardlow can now go after each other with the TV title Mm -hmm. and do their own thing so I think I think uh there's a lot opening up here I've really enjoyed a lot of that as well AW has really been delivering the last Six weeks, ever since I went on my hiatus because they uh, hired mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> yeah, and, okay, I have comments on Jeff Jarrett after no, Battle of the Bells. don't too. fall for it. I'm telling you. <laughs> Do not fall for the grift. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> His Memphis bullshit's not going to work on me. I won't fall for it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Because I didn't... Get it. I'm a new fan. I've only been watching wrestling for five years. 
<laughs> fucking love it. I love it. I love it. I thought Battle of the Belts was so good. I think he's doing phenomenal work. He's on his best behavior. I will admit that. It's just like Nanai Takahashi in, in Stardom. But they aren't dropping falls. They're not taking pinfalls. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. So don't fall for it. <laughs> I still love it. And I love to hate him right now. I really do. The it's, difference is Jeff Jarrett. It's actual. Yeah. The difference yeah. is Jeff Jarrett can actually work to his limitations. Yeah. Because of his Memphisness. Yeah. <laughs> While on the it. flip side... The other woman uh, can't move, and all she could do is no sell. So uh, that's too bad. That well, uh, that's what I say. Uh. I was I was entertained. I will admit. I will admit this, ah, but I'm not falling. Got for you. It. I'm not hey, falling for. Hey, it. I'm, hey, I'm hey, not hey, doing hey. it. You can enjoy Jeff Jarrett. I can enjoy Chris Jericho. Whoa. We can Whoa. change opinions. I can't believe you put those two people in the same sentence in a positive <laughs> manner. And I will not enjoy Jeff Jarrett. I will seethe. I will be angry. And I'll be irrationally compromised. Uh, irrationally mentally compromised. Okay? <laughs> you do you, bud. I, I you will, do I you, will. but I'm enjoying it. Uh, let's see. Hangman Page Moxley. Who do you think wins? I'm hoping Page. Um, my heart says Page. My head hasn't decided. Hmm. I don't know, but I'm enjoying the build. Um, I thought, yeah, the the, the last couple of promos were really, were really good, keeping them uh, separated and fighting backstage or whatever. Like all of it has been really good. Um, I think this roster is really clicking, and we're starting to see a uh, nice little culmination of 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 people healthy. And yeah. being able to uh, build good little week to week storylines that yeah, we're, all we're also in. seeing. Yeah, we're also seeing the dissension of the best friends. Um, we're seeing. I don't think so. Well, after the Orange Trent match, I don't know. I thought Battle of the Belts, even though, um, even though Chuck and Trent came out for the save, I didn't think they actually they're necessarily to save orange i don't know no, um, really but saying. that's a really good no nah, they're still telling a story there uh they're telling the story with red velvet and jade cargo they're telling us about swerve strickland um who i don't know what how i feel about his new posse but <laughs> that's swerve, yeah that's that's still that's still let's let's see how this goes kind of situation but swerve is still one of the most charismatic performers i have ever seen uh he there is something about that guy uh that just does it for me from all angles do you think red velvet is know. the right person to beat jade cargill no, <laughs> and I love Red Velvet. I do, and I think she's a really terrific performer. Um, I want to see where that story goes, but I, well, maybe. Um, actually, now that I think about it, I don't know. Maybe because she she was in the um, in that match that Jade Cargill debuted in. Yeah, um, yeah, she was in that tag match. She took Brandy's place because Brandy was pregnant. Um, 
had a great showing there. That was her first really big uh, stage, right? Um, and she's been doing good things since then. I mean, she was obviously injured and out for a little while. Um, so before things turned in 2020, um, I really wanted John Silver to be the one to take the TNT title from Brody Lee. Um, hmm. So now I'm kind of seeing that. Say, not that they were even hinting at dissension at that point. Um, that's kind of in my brain where that story was going. And so now maybe that's what we're going to get here. I don't know. Um, if Red Velvet wins, um, I think it'll be a relatively short reign and it'll feel start feeling more like the TNT title. Um, because I, that... I, I believe if you build up Red Velvet as a credible singles wrestler, you got to do that first. Mm-hmm before even okay. thinking about her beating Jade Cargill in any capacity. Otherwise, it's just a kind of one-off uh, little feud going on there, which is also okay. But I, I, I do think Red Velvet has, has more potential than just being a one-off type person. Uh, mm-hmm. So if, if they choose to go a different route away from Red Velvet, then I'm not sure how far away Chris Statlander still is. I'm sure they're still months away. But in the meantime, I think we got to get Jade Cargill against better, credible opponents more often. Agreed. Because right now she's spinning wheels, and uh, you know, less <laughs> less matches with uh, I don't know, Alayla Gray or Madison Rain, and more matches mm-hmm. against uh, Serena Deeb or Hikaru Shida. It's kind of what I'm going at. Okay. You, are are we um are we ready to? drop the uh elevated or are we going with the coin drop um, or both hang on hang on i just want to make sure we hit everything we need to hit with i think we ew i'm just double checking i know i we're, we're close just want to make sure yeah it looks good oh the only thing that we didn't talk about with aw uh is the set the set redesign oh the new set yeah it's good looks more modern and also just the fact that um, since the Denver show, which was December 28th, these crowds have been so hot. Well, the um, shows have been good. That's, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. I mean. Weird, yeah, weird how that the, works. <laughs> but the, um, the Seattle show was like a full-size arena. It wasn't one of these college-sized arena. The Seattle show, um. <clears throat> was at the arena where the Kraken play, um, and they sold a ton of tickets. It was loud as fuck. <laughs> loving it. Loving it. AEW is on the right track right now. All right. Let's uh, get on.
Okay. New Japan Wrestle Kingdom. 26,000 people in attendance. I think that's a good success for them and a step in the right direction. Uh, I thought the show overall was good. Um, I wasn't blown away by most of the matches, but in a weird sense, I was still, I still left pretty satisfied. Yeah. Uh, and um, I, and I think but... it was a, I think it was a good sign for new Japan of what they're going to bring in 2023. And sure enough, new year's ja- dash was very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. The surprise of Kenny Omega in the main event teaming with yep. Okada, uh, yep. coming out to devil sky. <laughs> and, um, they announced the new beginnings tour. And it's all fire matches between teasing things, like really building off that New Year's Dash show with Naito and Umino, um, among other matches. uh, Shingo and Okada is going to be, I think, the big Osaka show. So we're gearing Mm -hmm. up. It it looks like it. it, I really get the feeling that New Japan is tackling 2023 like they used to. It feels like post-pandemic. Great pre-pandemic. It feels like pre-pandemic. Or, um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. <clears throat> um, it does feel like we're past uh, or over the hurdle. Um, yeah, because even name... even Stardom announced uh, for the big February show that they're running, it's going to be a cheering crowd. Oh, good, great. So my main thoughts on like the overall show uh, before the before the semi-main event and the main event was that um, some of the matches felt short. Some of them felt like they finished before they really uh, before they really got going or they had just gotten going and then they ended. Um, Which I guess is one way to do it. You know, leave you wanting more um, since we've already talked earlier on the podcast about as being slogs, um, but uh, Mercedes showed up. <laughs> All right, hold on, hold off on that thought because actually, no, we'll tackle that right now. So, Kyrie Tam Nakano uh, got five minutes, very disappointing. Yeah, uh, but. That's what I'm saying. They this, were all short. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that was the shortest one on the show. I think it. I think optically. It gave the wrong message. However, the silver lining is that kind of wasn't the point to it. The point mm-hmm. was about Mercedes Monet and what she's going to bring to New Japan. And I mean, we look at a lot of these metrics over the goals of this show. The goals of the show were get Omega on there to bring back some fans, bring back further interest mm-hmm. of the West, get Monet in there to do the same. In a different capacity, obviously. Uh, Subscriptions went up 40,000 in New Japan World. They had the most live viewers they've ever had. And this is for a show on like a Wednesday. (laughs) Like, it's not on a weekend or anything. So we have tangible evidence that their goals, New Japan's goals, uh, succeeded. So from that standpoint, uh, it's hard to really say what they did was wrong, but I will say optically with the length of the women's match and then kind of getting a burned Kyrie Tam Nakano match mm-hmm. at Kingdom, uh, didn't do it justice. And I think it sends the wrong message 
Uh, but again, another silver lining is Kyrie and Monet immediately lock eyes and they're booked. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they're the only match booked for the San Jose show. And right. I immediately went to Ticketmaster. The tickets, took, yeah. Took a screenshot of the tickets available. There was like a thousand left, plus minus. Uh-huh. And within 24 hours, they moved about 600 tickets. Amazing. And then it sold out within a week. Amazing. Completely sold out within the week. And that's solely on Monet. Mercedes. Yeah. Needle mover. Like the, 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 these are all tan- tangible things that we can point to. And yep. I know like it's harder to say if it was just her for the subscriptions, but it's yeah. definitely a, it, like she's definitely a factor to it. And you can't take Absolutely. that away. What now? I think a clear point to point at is these are new subs during the hours and leading up to Wrestle Kingdom. Okay. Mm-hmm. If there was like a surge of viewers in post Wrestle Kingdom, I think that would be a mm-hmm. stat we could look to for the Omega Osprey match. Yeah. Yep. Much much like in the yep. sense of the Okada uh, Okada Omega matches of the past, where you mm-hmm. see a surge of this match got a lot of buzz. People want to check it out now, and they subscribe from there. Uh, these were all these were all prior, as far as I know, or at least in the in the um, initial kind of twelve to twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. So uh. very very big successes all around to what New Japan wanted to do. They're not like a hundred percent back there, but everything is feeling like it's heading in the right direction. Things are starting mm-hmm. to feel hot again. They're clearly uh, getting a lot of um, young guys kind of fast tracked into certain positions. Like we had Bolton Oleg, a big Russian like sh- <laughs> like shoot wrestler, on the undercard. You have the big German uh, uh, Oscar Luba. Who, whom is, um, I don't know, I get the feeling he's going to join the Empire, weirdly enough. Okay. You have, um, I think it's like Oiwa and various other guys. Uh, new factions are forming around uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and the like. Uh, there's movement in New Japan to create this like sense of freshness we haven't felt in a while as well. So those are all positives. Uh I think the negative, if I'm if I'm to go more into negatives, it would be, I still would have liked to see Red Narita come away with the television title, especially after that whole mm-hmm. spiel of we want to push young guys and make it a young guy title type mm-hmm. thing. Uh, Zach's first t- singles title in New Japan, I believe. I mean, with the state of the Never title and that, I think, abysmal match that has been the last six months. Uh, I mean, I think the answer is right there. We have a lot of speculation over what's happening with the Tongans and Jay White leaving mm-hmm. New Japan potentially. I yeah. guess we'll find out what happens at the end of the month. That's usually when more contracts come up. Sure. What happens in February. So a lot of moving parts, positive and negative, but yeah. enough, of, enough of all that. I kind of don't even really need to talk about the rest of the card other than FTR lost the tag titles and Catch-22 mm-hmm. retained the junior tag titles. Mm-hmm. Uh Hiromu reta- uh, Hiromu got the junior. T- ch- what did you think of the four way? Did it do anything for you? The four way. Junior title. 
Um, junior heavyweight title. Oh, um, I might have been fading at this point. <laughs> I don't really remember that much. I'm looking at, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with no. I d- oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, no. I do have thoughts on this. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm totally lying. I'm totally lying. Sorry. I'm, 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 um, piecing it together. So, um, Takahashi. Okay. Um, I started watching wrestling in August of 2017. And I watched my first Wrestle Kingdom was... Uh, the January 4th, 2018, uh, Alpha versus Omega. Uh, that was my first exposure to New Japan at all. I didn't know anything about it. And Takahashi and Daryl stood out to me then, um, really sold me on what Japanese wrestling could be, what New Japan could be, was, is. Anyway. So yeah, I was actually super invested. <laughs> uh, I didn't think he was going to win. I didn't. I I my I really wanted him to win, but I thought they were going to push the younger guys, and uh, well, she did it. That's what I wanted. I kind of always thought Hiromu was going to walk out of this match, the champion. Uh, it's a story that New Japan uh, likes telling with Hiromu getting the junior title again. I mean, he's the biggest star in the division on top of it, but uh, they're v- New Japan's clearly very skittish of freelancers in the promotion mm-hmm. right now, people that aren't locked down, so that knocks out Desperado. Ishimori's had this title way too long uh, for anyone's good. And then Master Wado's a nerd, and I was like, he's not a champion. He's, he's not that guy. Maybe he'll get it someday, but he's not yeah. a Wrestle Kingdom winning guy, uh, at least in, in my eyes. So that was my interpretation of it. And so I was like, Hiromu was the only choice. And that's what happened. So okay. this match didn't do a whole lot for me. I was entertained. I thought the finish with Wato and Takahashi and Wato and Ishimori was good. I thought that was accomplished... a great near fall. Yeah, I thought that accomplished a lot in getting Wato more over. And I think that's step one. Mm-hmm. I think that's step one for the guy. Okay. Now, we've beaten around the bush <laughs> enough. Okay. Is Kenny Omega defeating Will Ospreay <laughs> for the United States heavyweight title that lasted 34 minutes and 38 seconds the best match you've ever seen? <laughs> you've had a week to think about it. I had a week to think about it. I watched it again last night. Oh my god, same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's up there. It's in the conversation. Like discernibly, uh, right? Oh, there! Yeah, I mean, top three, and they're all Kenny Omega matches. Okay, what, um, what are the others? Out of curiosity. Oh, Okada Omega, three and four, four and five, whatever the <laughs> whatever the whatever the last two Okada Omega matches were. Okay. Um. I, yeah. I, Again, recency bias, right? But I don't, I don't, story, I don't know. I the mean, story. Um, sometimes you know, right? Yeah. And I'm, I okay. So 
there's a list that came out recently from uh, uh, when it was good. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, Dragon King Carl, he's on uh, Observer. He's a um, big, massive wrestling historian. I, I very much respect a lot of the work he does. And he came out and he came out with this like not algorithmic list, but he mm-hmm. took about 30 other historians and they came up with the 201 uh, greatest wrestlers of all time uh, from varying degrees of Hall of Fames, uh, vetted Hall of Fame specifically, uh Sports media coverage of who they think the best wrestlers are. So like mainstream kind of notoriety had a lot to do with it as well. There was a number of factors that uh, took out a lot of bias on his part. So it it was kind of more like a consensus census (laughs) of the 201. And one thing I noticed was Kenny Omega was super down on the list because a lot of historians don't like really respect his roots uh, for varying degrees and just modern wrestlers weren't respected very much at all. And that kind of got me like when I'm watching this and that list came out and I had this conversation with a couple other people in discord. Cause we were really, we were kind of talking about the list. Like, how do you, how do you rank someone from like 1890 ahead of mm-hmm. Kenny Omega? Mm-hmm. Like, how can you tangibly do that? It's, it's, it's a question with that you can go with, that we can go into a lot more depth. But when I'm watching a match to the degree of Kenny Omega Will Osprey, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking about, I don't know, a match you see on tape from. Okay, I'll use this as an example. Top of my head, Sergeant Slaughter, Pat Patterson. Okay. Okay. A very good match historically. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it gets, it has a lot of rave reviews, but when I'm comparing these two, I can't help but think that this is the evolution of the sport. This is the evolution mm-hmm. of wrestling itself, uh, evolution of varying degrees of violence and storytelling and, uh, hatred between wrestlers and all kinds of aspects and kind of a, conclusion i came to was the there's a lot of like you can still respect the past and treat it with a certain regard that you kind of have to but Mm -hmm. there also has to be this this acceptance among whether it's historians or us as fans looking at matches today and wrestlers today that maybe they do what your whether it's your favorites or who you think was the best and they just do it mm-hmm. better now yeah. like they they've just simply taken it to the next step of the sport of wrestling so like i just had this epiphany watching kenny omega will osprey mm-hmm. where it's like mm-hmm. i have always regarded bright heart as like my top five wrestler of all time and then I watch a match like this, and I'm watching this run Chris Jericho's on uh, as another example, and I'm just thinking, I love Bret Hart, but mm-hmm. he isn't these guys. And I don't think he can do what the... Like, obviously, if he was thrown in today and he was in his prime, I think he could... <laughs> like, I don't think it goes without saying he could hang with these guys. I, I, I think that's mm. pretty a, a pretty obvious statement, but it wouldn't be anywhere near the same match 
He would have to be a completely different wrestler to do anything remotely capable of these matches. These these the style, right. this 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 sort of storytelling, and that's when it kind of came to the point of I'm watching Bret Hart Stone Cold, and I rewatch that match, and mm-hmm. I go the storytelling of violence and like that's all very similar, but what was it missing? It was missing the degrees of athleticism. It was missing the 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 just next evolution of wrestling. And I'm like, I love that match. I think it's I think mm-hmm. it's you know one of the best of all time, but. Is it as good as Omega Osprey? And I just, I just kind of go, I don't think it is, because yeah, of mean, everything I keep talking about. I, it's, it's just all these things are going through my head as I'm, <laughs> as I'm watching this and thinking about it in post, and sure. Omega Osprey just really, really set a new bar with me. I, I love that insight because. I think it's true in a lot of sports. Um, just listening to you talk about that, I was immediately thinking about baseball. Um, but then I was thinking about yeah, like uh, baseball. Pitchers are stronger, faster. Mm-hmm. They throw the ball further. Their their angle is is uh, much stronger. Their spin rates higher. Like everything mechanically about baseball I, is is just the athletes are simply better than they were 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. They're better. Like Um, the human body has evolved the sport. Yeah. And then I was thinking about, so, um, a guy I used to work with years ago, um, is a very prominent, uh, figure skating, uh, content creator. Um, and so, and I follow his, his social medias and stuff just to keep in touch with him. (laughs) um, Anyway, uh, so then I got it, you know, was thinking about figure skating and then gymnastics as well. Um, none of, none, uh, like Mary Lou Retton could not do what Simone Biles does. Um, Dorothy Hamill could not do what the current figure skaters are doing, right? I mean, it's just different. Um so yeah, I think that is a fantastic, fantastic uh, insight from you. Um, it's not the same. It's just not. Um, and Kenny and Bill Osprey are the best to have ever done it ever. Period. I, I yeah. There's not. There's not a lot more to say. Uh, Phenomenal. Great chemistry, everything leading up to the match, um, even though they weren't even on the same shows, just the, the social media thing. Kenny Omega's Fightful interview, right? Did you see that, hear it, read anything about it? Um, Kenny Omega did. A, did. did a, anyway, this is months ago. It was over the summer, but Kenny Omega did an interview with Sean Ross Sapp, and then at some point, uh, Sean goes, you know, you're like just burying Will Ospreay right now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I remember this one. Yeah. And Kenny's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to do that at all. Uh, let me continue. And, uh, just, yeah, these guys are cerebral. They are 
phenomenal actors, phenomenal athletes. Um, yeah, nobody really does it better. There was a lot of degrees of depth that this match went into, which I was really impressed by. Because even if you just kind of hop in and you don't really have any sort of backstory, it's still an athletically mm-hmm. impressive match. It's still, it's still rooted in hatred and storytelling that you can you can pick up pick up on just in the match itself. And then mm-hmm. for fans that have followed the story of Omega in New Japan, uh, the story of Will Osprey in New Japan, the the story of these two kind of pass like ships passing by in the night yeah. and meeting and then on, passing the torch or <clears throat> yeah, they're. <laughs> and Kenny Omega's a nerd. He came out to fucking <laughs> one wing angel final final fantasy. Yeah, 7. he did. Oh man. <laughs> I I almost want to grab Jason right now to have him talk about the final fantasy part of this because <laughs> I can't speak to it. I saw someone but, um... that I saw someone that uh, compared this to the actual final fantasy story of cloud and Sep- Sephiroth. Oh, or... Well, that's what Jason was telling me. So he and I, so I watched, we both watched this live. I was still in Massachusetts. He was home. So we watched this match again together last night. And that's what Jason was telling me about how um, Osprey trying to take down Omega was basically the story of Final Fantasy. Um, just how well done it was. And I yeah, don't and know. What happens? Game. What happens? Cloud loses like yeah. twice. Or maybe even three yeah. times before he finally oh, defeats Kenny Omega. And what has happened? The, I can't... Elite, the elite defeated the Empire as match one. Right. And now Kenny right. Omega has taken his title. That's match two. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, whether so it's I, I can't yeah. Is it gonna be a okay. rematch at Forbidden Door? Are they gonna do it again in yeah, they're gonna Dominion? Do it again. Like what what it, we'll do it again. what is what is this what is the uh the finish going to be to the story, and I'm I'm so excited. Uh, and they didn't burn everything in the tank. They had a story they wanted to tell, uh, and they did a match to match that story, which is another aspect I appreciate. Like if we have a big blow off match, like the Shuri, Uta- uh, not Utami, uh, Shuri Julia match, I want to see them go <laughs> all out and hit each other with everything. Uh, including the kitchen sink and the and the doors that lead to it, <laughs> like. Hey. That's that's that story. While this Omega Osprey one, it was it was about their <laughs> viscerosity isn't a word, but I'm thinking of like three other words at once. That's just kind of what <laughs> what spurred out of my mind. Viscerosity. <laughs> viscerosity. I, like it. I love creating new words. You're good. I'm trying to say visceral and. I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> like violence and visceral and okay. <laughs> all kinds of words. <laughs> Maybe viscosity got in there somehow. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's relevant. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. uh, the, the the blood trickling down Osprey's face was cert- certainly viscous in Ooh. some manner. Ooh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so like, like Omega stomping the table on the outside uh, with the upside down that that goes back to like the Chris Jericho match and uh, mm-hmm. like him doing varying degrees of stomps and, and whatnot. Uh, Os- I don't think Osprey did the space flying tiger drop in the match, but he, he did the um, essentially the spiral tap off the top. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I forget what he calls that, but like they, even though they clearly left moves in the tank, they didn't. Mm-hmm. They didn't. I don't. Th- I don't think they left anything out of the match, which which was impressive as well. Uh, loved the moment where Omega smashed Osprey's head through the table multiple times, just leaving a hole in it, and then Omega puts mm-hmm. his face through it like he's fucking uh, uh, Johnny from The Shining. <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> yeah. What, what's oh his my face gosh. The, uh, so good. What's his face from Jack, The Shining? I forget uh, the Nicholson. character's name. Yeah. Um, Jack. Jack. Jack from The Shining. Jack Nicholson, whatever. Uh, and Omega wins with the with the the Kamigoye. There's Yapushi. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I mean, I didn't see that finish coming. I think everybody anticipated Osprey finally taking him down. So, um, great stuff. Great stuff. I think it's the best match Just I've ever seen. Phenomenal. I- <laughs> Yeah, I can't argue with you. I like the two out of three falls Okada match. And I recently rewatched the other two Okada Omega kingdom matches. Mm -hmm. Like those are great. There's no doubt. But Mm -hmm. for some reason, I I just connected with the Omega Naito trilogy more for me personally. Oh, okay. So I like. That's more my style. However, the two out of three falls Omega Okada match was like a culmination mm-hmm. of their entire rivalry. So mm-hmm. that, like, if if you if you tell me that's the greatest match you've ever seen, or some Masawa uh, Kobashi uh, match, or if you still want to go to the past and say it's Stone Cold uh, Bret Hart, go mm-hmm. for it, right? <clears throat> There, there is a there is a sense of of uh, influence and influence on yourself as a fan and mm-hmm. your interaction with how you how you uh, like come out of these things. Mm-hmm. For for me, this match just very much exceeded. Like if I was to remake the five star scale, it's this now. Yeah, sure. Like yeah. that that is this. Nothing like you better. have to mm-hmm. reach this to get five, period. Like that would be the scale. Okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna do that. Because <laughs> right. I, I, I believe in investment and the uh storytelling and the and the build and rivalry. Those are mm-hmm. all factors that I like to contribute to like in my head, my own little star ratings or recommendation system or, or mm-hmm. whatever system I go by. And mm-hmm. I thought this Omega Osprey match had all that, in in a in a very modern sense with using things like uh, the media to kind of get out your hatred, uh, doing things on Twitter, doing uh, having that press conference before Kingdom, um, Osprey showing up with the Empire in AEW, and them having the, the like those are all modern ways to tell the story, which you don't really mm-hmm. I, I I don't think wrestlers do that enough these days. I think they can really uh, capitalize on that. Uh, I think Will Ospreay beats him at Dominion or Forbidden Door. I think that's my timeline mm-hmm. for them to have their okay. second singles match. And that will be yeah. the third try for Osprey to get one over on Omega. I'm I'm very excited. Uh, I don't... I have serious doubts that this will be beaten in my match of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just I just can't... 
I can't, currently I can't fathom anything that will hit me the same way. I like I just I can't um, even put it in my head <laughs> in a yeah, fantasy way. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it was. I mean, wrestling is art. This was a work of art. It was. I thought they were going to do a blood stoppage. I thought they were going to end the match oh, like multiple yeah. times on blood stoppage. Yeah. The way Osprey was selling the blood loss and him kind of fighting and uh, like he purpose like he clearly purposely kind of slipped on the ropes a little bit and he shook his head and kind of hyped himself out to get back up onto there. Uh that mm-hmm. double arm DDT on the exposed turnbuckle is is nasty. Oh, when, yeah. Did he do that in a Naito match? I think he did. I, I don't think know. That, was that in the G1 final? against Naito? I might be remembering incorrectly. Regardless. Incredible. Uh, Okada defeats Jay White, the main event. 33 minutes. A little long. Okay. A little long. A little, a little long. long. But, okay. Um, I thought it was really, really good. And they have great chemistry, first of all. Um, they, have, they have great chemistry. Um, also, I think... I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Jay White when his contract comes up uh, at the end of this month or next month. It's definitely coming up. Um, I don't think Jay White gets enough attention as for being as great a heel as he is. Um, I think he needs to be in the conversation with MJF. I think he's just as good. I really do. Character work wise kayfabe wise um and in ring wise um anyway it's just every time again just the charisma of these guys it just gets me every time um i just think he's fantastic and uh his yeah and his chemistry with okada it's it was unfortunate that it had to follow the greatest match of all time. Um, but it was very good. Yeah. Uh, oh, I didn't mention this, but so um, obviously I, I go to work early and uh, what mm-hmm. happened was uh, I basically had to go to work kind of mid show right. and log off and log on to a different device. And I came back mm-hmm. during the Muto match. Uh Okay. <laughs> Can't say I was disappointed to see only a, a chunk of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, dude sucks. KG Muto, like, f- fuck this guy. It, I've wanted him to retire <laughs> for the last, like, 15 years. Um, I know. He is, he, is, I know he is the definition of a selfish wrestler. Like, holy shit. The match was about Shoto Umino, and Shoto Umino gets the win, and that dude could not leave the ring fast enough. Could not <laughs> share the light at all. And because he left the ring and it's his quote unquote last New Japan match, of course mm-hmm. the spotlight's gotta follow him, and Umino is now in the ring mm-hmm. alone with no camera. Like, that's who this dude is. Fuck him. I ha- I have <laughs> I have no nostalgia for Keiji Muto or the great new Muda. And I've done the past New Japan watch, and I I find 90% of his matches boring slogs. Okay. Like even in his prime years. So Mudo sucks. Uh-huh. I don't like him. I admit he's a star at 
doesn't change my opinion on what I think of his wrestling. Uh, Okada Jay okay. White. <clears throat> um, I caught that match live while I had to okay. go back and watch the Omega Osprey match because when that match started, New Japan mm-hmm. World crashed and I couldn't log back in due to oh, traffic. Yeah, that happened to a bunch of people. Yeah. So. Yeah, if you weren't already in, you weren't getting in. Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 I had um, between the junior title and that U.S. match, I had to do a couple things at work, mm-hmm. which caused you know I'm I'm just watching on my phone, which caused of course the the, the browser to have to reset, and that's when uh, it just went too much traffic. We can't get you in. I went ah shit. The second Okada White and the bell rung, I got back in, <laughs> which is super funny. Nice. So that that. The traffic Got during it. Omega Osprey was was very high. Yeah, um, yeah. The match, I I mean, I went like I don't know three and f- three fourths stars. I thought it was very good. Uh, it was just kind of slow for a good chunk of the match. Um, okay. And when when I was kind of looking at other matches on the card, and I thought they got kind of shafted for time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you couldn't do twenty minutes. And give, mm-hmm. you know, another five to Kyrie Tam and maybe five to the tag right. title match kind of situation. Right. Something like right. along those so lines. That was okay. So I even so I I tweeted something during the earlier matches. I was like that they're cutting some of these prelim mat not the you know, main card matches, uh short it like really scared me for how long the Jay White Okada match was going to go. I was like, I really hope they just give Osprey Omega as much time as they want. And then Okada and Jay White take whatever's left. And I, I think that is what they did. Um, but yeah, they could have given more time to some of the earlier car, uh, earlier matches. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, I walked away. Like I, I know what to expect out of a Jay White match in new Japan. And I like his style, I like the little cerebral, I like his counter-wrestling, like, that's who he is. I got no issue with that. I thought the match was pretty cold coming in, but Okada is the guy, and a lot of fans mm-hmm. are there to see Okada. Right. And they, they got what they came for in, in that aspect, and, um, I mean, I still thought it was very good. I had no issue. It just It just didn't... I just don't think it was, like, <laughs> good enough. And I, uh, and I, I, and I attest that to the slow pace they kind of did for a good half the match. Uh, not if we're doing if we're doing the counter wrestling style that Jay White does. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it it was like it was like too much too sweet chops and Okada selling rather than an offensive uh, fight at Wrestle Kingdom. Mm. Anyways, um, Okada Shingo should be really good coming after that. I believe yeah. the KOPW title is also like up for grabs. That same match. Oh, okay. I think okay. I think that I think that's kind of a signal to the end of that thing. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. New Year's Dash. Uh, I think we kind of touched on the main aspects between the Tongans possibly all leaving. 
um, the oh, loser, right. leave ta- loser leaves town situation there. Mm-hmm. Building to that, yep. Uh, I mean, it's definitely in question who actually loses, which is yeah. neat. Yeah. I, I, I think I think there's some uh, my tinfoil hats on. I think New Japan is, okay. is working the media okay. to saying that both these guys are on their way out when it's probably only one of them. I think it's to create the doubt in our minds. Mm, maybe. Maybe. It's my little conspiracy there. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. I think that covers it, eh? Did you want to talk about Shuri versus Julia? Oh, well, uh, well I will do that in my uh, stardom section, but you watched the match. What did you think? Yeah, okay. So, um, I started watching it on my phone at the airport on Sunday. Um, so, I had headphones in, was, you know, ignoring everything around me, and I was in that match. Like, I was, you know, headphones, zoned out to everything else that was going on around me. Um, and I only got about two thirds of the way through the match before I had to get on my plane. Uh, but that was enough for me to understand why it is in your shortlist for match of the year. Um, I watched the full match again last night from beginning to end. And without being like, immersed in it the way I was at the airport um I started to nitpick a little um and I realized that clap crowds still suck (laughs) even though yeah (laughs) even though um both athletes did a really really good job of trying to keep the crowd in it keep the I say trying they did keep the crowd in it um it definitely took away from the enjoyment on TV for me um and then I also kind of realized that, um that I didn't know the story really going into this um and on my first watch it didn't bother me and I really enjoyed the match for the, just the pure wrestling part of it um but on the rewatch i was like mm, i wish i had had something or looked something up or whatever and knew a little bit more about the story going into it because without english commentary i don't have any background um that said the match was phenomenal um the post-match was great. And then I watched the post-match, right? And I was like, man, I wish I had started the match with the post-match. And then, <laughs> you know, because the post-match told me everything I needed to know. Um, I think if I watched it now, knowing what I know from the post-match, um, it would mean more to me. But it was a phenomenal, phenomenal match. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen so many German suplexes ever. Uh, (laughs) 
it was, uh, these women are just really phenomenal athletes. I, I didn't need the story to enjoy it. I did enjoy it. The story would have enhanced it. Um, it would have gotten me to the, to the match of the year level, but I, I can't why it's on your short list for sure. So my follow-up question would be, is this match good enough for you to pursue watching stardom full-time in 2023? Oh, 100%. All right. Absolutely. And that, and that is what, so Jason and I watched it together last night, you know, to, to get ready to talk about it today. Um, and that's what he said. He's like, well, this did, is enough we should watch more stardom i was like great great so. all right well at the very least uh right now the triangle der- derby is going on it's a trios tournament so uh-huh. <laughs> right in line with aw there yeah. uh <clears throat> i will say you don't need to watch like every house show kind of deal okay but mm-hmm. um i mean they have monthly major shows they have tournaments all the time mm-hmm. like it keeps you engaged uh i'm very happy this is very exciting uh this this will be uh good good follow-up stuff and Maybe we'll um, maybe we'll have to do some uh, stardom recording along with it. So that'll be okay. good. That'll be good. Good to hear. I'm very excited. I'm I'm glad you really enjoyed the match. Very impressive. Very impressed. I very re- impressed. I really did. I really did. I'm 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 glad I I'm glad I went out of my way to watch it because it was worth it. So with no context of kind of the story and whatnot, um, is it mm-hmm. good enough to make your top ten or? Oh yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and maybe even top five, top three. I don't know. I didn't keep a spreadsheet. I didn't keep a spreadsheet or anything. I might keep a spread. I might have to start scoring the way you score and keep a spreadsheet or something. If we're going to start ranking. I mean, I just, I I just have varying degrees of, yeah, I just have varying degrees of, of Excel spreadsheets of, uh, of like my favorite things across the year and, and with the, uh, wrestler rankings and whatnot. And I'm an accountant. I have a spreadsheet for everything. Yeah. So I might as well have one for this. Well, um, on the Patreon that's coming out, uh, I've I've done mm-hmm. an annual top 50 tag matches of the year, and those are very oh. hard to remember because so much shit sure. happens in tag matches generally. Yep. So I have like the match listed, and then in a column next, I have a brief like sentence or two description of why I liked the match so much. Oh, I like that. That's smart. Yeah. That's all that, and and then it's just a ranking one through fifty, and uh, that mm-hmm. will be on the Patreon five dollar tier, the the Jaguar Nagayo tier. So look forward to that. Lots of content coming out on the Patreon. Well, Ricky, we've gone a couple hours. Uh, we've done like the last month of wrestling, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It will be me solo going on. I'm going to rest my voice <laughs> for a while. It's okay. kind of getting good for you. It's kind of getting grainy. Yeah, I, I, man, I did that Joshi 2010s episode a couple days ago. And that, was, <laughs> that was hard. Oh, um, man, buddy. Okay, you take care of yourself. Yeah, so I'm going to rest and then I'll come back and uh, I'm going to go over all the Joshi wrestling and some Dragon Gates. Uh, I think hey. this year I'm just going to run the Dragon Gate in with the Joshi. Okay. Which is going to sa- it sounds weird on paper, but that's 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 Makes what I'm going to do. Uh it, it's do it's it. uh, it's all going to be one. And remember guys, on the Patreon Pure J is going to be the big push this year. Um, Pure J. Pure J. Yeah. Pure J. They got they hey, look, they got a service on YouTube. It's $10 a month. Uh you 
know, it's affordable. And if and if you get into oh. it, if you like what you hear uh, with me doing brief reviews on uh, RLR here, then maybe check out the Patreon for the more in-depth reviews with, uh, I hope to have JPQ as a, as a okay. guest on all those episodes. So we'll be two of us, right. hopefully most of the times, reviewing those shows. So you'll get to listen to the more in-depth stuff. And if you're, if you're convinced, uh, if you like what you hear, then consider maybe signing up for Pure J over on YouTube. Very easy. I mean, they got the, the huge backlog. But anyways, rest of the voice mm-hmm. time, and I'll be back shortly. See you, Ricky. Bye. Bye. Speed It's lightning in the jungle. Okay, everybody, it's time for that Dragon Gate, and I think I'm going to slip it in right in between the discussions around, uh, well, in between uh, the New Japan AEW and the Joshi, because I think it's uh, the best of both worlds there. But uh, Dragon Gate, <clears throat> I've seen, as I pull up the, the, the cage match here, of the last couple Korokins and the uh, Final Gate show, because that's what we're doing here. But... Um, as we ended 2022, and as we begin 2023, there was uh, there was certainly some discussions I see uh, going around with Dragon Gate between, I would say, <clears throat> mixed feelings on Yuki Yoshioka now as champion. Um, I thought his reign has been pretty good. Certainly find it more interesting than Kai, because it's, well, it's Kai, after all, and I think his title reign involved one good defense, and that was mostly around <clears throat> the retirement of Kness and Yokosuka's connection to him. So in a vacuum, that match was uh, very good. I Did I have that as my Dragon Gate match of the year last year? Uh, you know what? I'll save that for the match of the year podcast over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash redleafretrocast, my annual uh, uh, promotion match of the year, top 10 from each promotion. <clears throat> and then at the end, I reveal my uh, personal top 10. And <laughs> uh, just like it kind of is every year, unless something um, <clears throat> catches me in some major way, <clears throat> more than women's wrestling, it's mostly a women's wrestling list. Take that for what it is. That's just how I operate. So, yeah, the Yuki Osho, Yuki Osho reign... I think at the end of all, at the end of 2022, uh, is now mixed because his match formula has kind of gotten into this, well, <laughs> formula, if you will, that, you know, a lot of people get kind of tired of seeing the same match style over and over and over again. And with Yoshioka in particular, his matches seem to have gotten a lot more slower and repetitive in the sense that. The first half is his opponent beats him up a lot, and it gets to uh, that halfway point, essentially, and Yoshioka has to then, uh, instead of throwing the soft, I'm beaten up on my last leg chops to the chest, 
into, he fights back, and eventually he smiles and knows he hasn't won. And the Ben K match at Final Gate uh, was mostly sticking to that same formula, but uh, the real highlight there was, I think, Ben K uh, coming out on his on his own with the uh, Chicky Chicky, uh, suave, debonair, cocky, uh, you know, mid two thousands persona, which I really enjoy. I really enjoy this new persona. Ben K is going along with Gold Class and the Gold Class faction. Uh, more on that in a little bit, uh, is really has really grown, and it's like a matter of time that we start seeing other factions kind of disintegrate, or we really need to know what's happening, because Eita is now part-time with Dragon Gate, Naruki Doi, for all intents and purposes, uh, is less than part-time, he seems to be going to be hanging out with Ultimo Dragon, and uh, I guess winning titles in DDT, That's that's kind of his future. Uh, so that's a shame there, but to be honest, with uh, Dragon Gate's kind of direction they seem to be going, obviously the youth movement is still very prominent in this promotion right now, and for good reason. Uh, the The guys are getting older, they're retiring, the Yoshinos, the music that you heard at the start, is no more, and we need guys like Kota Minora to really step up, and uh, the second half of this year... And a good chunk of this year was all about Yuki Yoshioka. And that's, he's, he's I think, easily the Dragon Gate Wrestler of the Year. I don't think that's a debate uh, with how that's gone. But when I'm looking at a lot of these cage match reviews and listening to, I guess, non-Open the Voice Gate, because they, they really tout Yuki Yoshioka as this unmitigated success. And I think, I think he's exactly what the promotion needed to kind of get back on path to coming back into the 2019 pre-pandemic type numbers because they I mean they drew just under 2600 for the uh for final gate Fukuoka and I think that's a success in kind of the surface terms but when I'm looking up and down this card with uh with Diamante beating Kota Minoru in 12 minutes in the mid card them focusing on uh, Shingo Takagi coming back in a tag match, which was good, by the way, but it didn't blow the roof off the place. I really, It just made me realize that Shingo Takagi is just so much better than everyone else in this entire promotion. Uh, it it kind of gave off the vibe that, yeah, New Japan is the major league, while Dragon Gate is a far number three in Japan right now. Um, well, not at least compared to New Japan, I think that's obvious. But the match itself, let's go back to that. Yuki Yoshioka, Ben K. It stuck to that formula. Ben K, uh, you know, hit the spear, got the got the big jackhammer going, uh, and Yoshioka hit some frog splashes. Little, little good near falls. I think it's one of the upper echelon Dragon Gate matches of the year. But again, like, is it better than, uh, is it better than that um, emotional Kai match? Is it better than the Mocha, uh, Masaki Mochizuki forcing a different formula out of the Yoshioka style? I don't think it was. And when I came out of uh, Final Gate and my just not interest in what's going on with the Brave Gate title over the past six months and Minorita beating Kyo in like eight minutes, I can't say I'm super excited for the cards. Uh, I still feel like a good chunk of this roster is missing, and and they are. <laughs> you know, you got SP Kento and uh, Fujiwara, who's their super rookie. That they're just gone for the second half of the year. They're not here. They're not around. So, 
we're really I think I think uh I think Dragon Gate has has really opened I wouldn't say my eyes, but it's it's kind of made me realize that this promotion is just it's just the main event Dreamgate match and I'm really not interested in anything else and even then the Dreamgate matches I they're they're lacking any sort of variety. It's it's been very samey with the people and presentation. Kind of nobody feels like a star in this promotion to me. Everyone kind of feels like they're on equal footing and the real stars have either left or just uh aren't up to kind of the 2023 par that we're setting. Uh when you when you have Yoshino and Nuruki Doi and and even Yamato to an extent just kind of hanging out. <laughs> it's the the message I'm being sent to Dragon Gate uh isn't isn't an exciting one. So I think Final Gate uh at the end of the year on December twenty fifth. I think um attendance wise it did good. I think that's fine. The main event was was good, but there wasn't really anything else to write home about. And then we cut to 2023 with the double Corican uh, New Year's Gate shows, where on day four on January 11th, uh, 978 Corican Hall. So not too great, but they ran back to back, and it's and it's after the the January 4th. <laughs> how do I put it? Um, like hurricane of people, and then everyone's like, okay, let's let's get out of here. We spent all our money. Uh, it was a one match show, and I can't say I was very excited. It was Zebrats elimination tag uh, against high end, and the losing faction gets disbanded. And it came down to Skywalker and Yamato, in which Skywalker won. So high end is no more. It's uh, it's disbanded, and it, it's that just really felt like we got to get we got to get rid of this. We're done with high end. It, it it's a fa- it was a failure uh, for its existence. It didn't really produce anything that we wanted. And then in the uh, semi-main was the gold class against a courage group where, I mean, it was good wrestling, but it's hard to get into something where it just felt like everything was set up for day two of the Cork and Halls. And I was really, I was really baffled that, uh, and it really stuck out as a red flag to me that they're doing a Dreamgate match in January with Shun Skywalker challenging, while Diamante at Final Gate was the one who got essentially the number one contendership win, but they announced that, I believe, for uh, February. Uh, so what's going to happen with Diamante's uh, match now? Because, well, Shun Skywalker is the new Dreamgate champion, defeating Yuki Oshioka, ending his, well, half-year reign. And another match that went exactly 28 minutes, basically. And this was just real slow. I had a real tough time getting this match. And Shun Skywalker lately, I still think he's one of the best wrestlers in the world, but this evil villain, laughing maniacal which I like, it's just too often seemingly his his matches whether it's in tag or singles like here it relies too much on the slow evil villain heel and the match never kicks into gear with and and even though this match almost went 30 minutes 
the finish still came off as kind of out of nowhere and flat with the new Dreamgate champion. And I just kind of raised my eyebrows at the end of it going, is this really the end point for the reign of Yuki Oshioka? Why is it soon Skywalker? Why are we doing essentially what feels like an all Zebrats Skywalker is going to win all the titles feeling? Why do I feel that way? Why do I feel like this is where we're going? Is Skywalker just going to become uh, the first half Kai of this year with a very slow, maniacal style uh, leading to Kobe World with another babyface win? Is that Yuki Oshioka again? Or is it going to be simply Yamato wins again? Uh, It's because it certainly doesn't feel like Casey's doing anything either. So I don't know what the what the plan is. I don't feel like I know what the plan is. I don't feel like I I know why Skywalker just won the title on this Corican to start the year in front of uh, 1,022 people. So for a Dreamgate match uh, during this hot period of of the uh, well holidays, I know it came afterwards and they did a double Corican shot, and that's something to consider. But it definitely doesn't feel hot. It definitely doesn't feel like Skywalker is going to be a hot champion, but I don't know. It's 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 a confusing time, and I I I mean one out of three. I went um I think I went three out of three in the end for the Ben K match, and I went one out of three for the Skywalker Yoshioka match. I mean we've seen better, we've definitely seen better out of Skywalker, and we've seen better out of Yoshioka. And with this slow style, it just didn't do anything for me, and I just again I I'm just left confused. Uh, with it, I do like Shun Skywalker a lot. I'm probably actually gonna prefer him prefer him as champion over Yuki Oshioka right now. But but I think Dragon Gate in 2023 has a lot to prove. I think they really need to bolster these cards into something much more interesting than just a lot of rookies taking on the veterans over and over again in these matches. Because even though people like um, uh, let's see here, you got Fujiwara. You got, uh, oh, who's another example? I guess uh, uh, Nagano is one of those guys. Mochizuki Jr. Um, Ryu Fuda is kind of a weird case. Uh, Yoshiki Kato is good, but I I don't know. It's going to be an interesting year uh, for Dragon Gate going forward. And what their, what their plan is with things like the Twin Gate and the Dreamgate as we enter the months going into 2023. Those are kind of my thoughts over Dragon Gate. So, eh, that was about 14 minutes of Dragon Gate talk. It's uh, not bad. I'm going to make my little marks here, and then it is time. It is time. Oh, here we go. I know what I'm going to do. It's time for the Joshi. And I am going to do this drop for fun because uh, I just I just have to do it. Um, I'm really stalling for time here as my computer loads up YouTube as I try to get into things. But uh, I'm excited to announce a number of things. I did it at the top of the podcast, but if you're one of those people that um, kind of skips to just the Joshi section... Uh, I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised with what I got to say. So, here we go. Hopefully it loads quick enough here. Yeah. 
me acclaimed Top of the chain, so I bet you know the name Getting all the fans entertained The acclaimed, running in the game And we in our own lane Everybody saying that they wanna be acclaimed <laughs> Okay I know that might seem random, but I guess the four people that I uh, converse with about that will hopefully get that joke and why the acclaimed music's playing. But here we go. Joshi Talk. I'm pretty pumped up for this because <clears throat> time to plug the Patreon because I am announcing the Pure J podcast for the Patreon. Uh, be once a month covering. It's the way Pure J runs. I think a monthly uh, podcast for Pure J will be fun to do. Uh, we got a 2022 year in review uh, episode coming over all of Pure J from 2022. And I mean, unless unless I'm missing something, nobody in the Joshi spectrum talks about Pure J. And I'll be honest, I, I you know, I've been one of those. I haven't been talking about it. Uh, I know buddy JPQ and Alex over at Stardom Quest, whom is now part of the Five Star Network. So good luck to them over there. But JPQ and Alex have been trying to get me to watch Pure J for well over a year now because I always have the opinion that I just want people to try. And they keep telling me that Pure J, you know, even though it has a small roster, they're trying. Uh, there, There's obviously a lot of limitations there. Uh, that Pure J has to go through, and we'll do a lot, a lot of, a um, lot more deep dive uh, into that uh, for uh, uh, Pure J in in general uh, over on uh, the Patreon. But uh, so <clears throat> there, we will be doing that. Uh, we will come together for the uh, January eighth show, uh, which saw a title defense there, and the pop title was defended. On January eighth, so look forward to that in February, uh, because there's I believe there's a dojo show announced with uh, Hanukkah Nakamori against Kreia that's announced already, so that'll be cool. But I'm I'm here to talk about kind of Pure J Climax uh, from middle December there at Corken Hall, five fifty people. So not a like if you compare it to uh, Stardom or even TJPW to an extent, uh, it's not a good number. But in terms of Pure J and what they've uh, been trying to build to for the past couple years. Uh, 550 is a pretty decent number for them, uh, but we would like to see that go higher, obviously, in 2023. And uh, this is what happened at the uh, Cork and Hall show, Pure J Climax 2022. Uh, we opened with uh, a trios match. Yoniyama, Cherry, and Leon defeated Shiozura, Makoto, and Yukimashiro. So Yukimashiro, before her retirement, got to be in a little undercard match on Pure J at Corken Hall, so that's kind of cool for her. It went 12 minutes, and then Subasa Kuragaki came in and defeated Akari. So for those that don't know, uh, essentially, Chiozura, uh, Akari, Kreia, Momotani, Momotani, Hanaka Nakamori, Raiden Hagane, uh, and Leon are kind of your... Uh, that's your your Pure J group. They're the ones kind of signed to the promotion, and uh, Pure J itself fills out a lot of their cards with um, the occasional freelancer that'll come in and, and take on uh, one of the, let's say, Pure J OGs here. So the second match was Tsubasa Kuragaki. She kind of frequents around uh, Oz Academy and uh, doesn't take a lot of dates these days, but she defeats Akari in 7 minutes, 27 seconds. Don't really agree with this at all. Tsubasa Kurigaki 
is uh, she's very immobile. She's very advanced in her career. Um, this is a case of veteran just going over the young person. And I'm going to go into a lot of depth with that over on the Pure J podcast, uh, recounting 2022 and what I'd like to see in 2023. Uh, so for this happening at the end of 2022, I will refrain from going into any like deep discussion over simple results like this. Because uh, I do have something big I want to discuss for 2023 in Pure J. And then the Princess of Pro title match. Uh, I did actually, uh, was able to find this match somehow. Um, sort of clipped, but uh, it was like a fan cam thing. I don't even know if it's still up. Uh, but uh, it was on a very shady uh, website. Um, okay, it's a porn site that has <laughs> some Pure J matches. But it was uh, Riku Kaiju defeating Kreia the defending champion, in 13 minutes. Uh, this was pretty good. Riku Kaiju has a new look, all blonde hair. She is from uh, Seedling, one of uh, one of like their three roster members over there. And I do like this move in the sense that I think I have a prediction that Momotani is going to be the one to uh, eventually dethrone Riku Kaiju. And I think Riku Kaiju fits into Pure J like a glove and her kind of winning this title from Kreia. Uh, is a good little move. And this this now gives me hope to see people like Kreia kind of move up the card a little bit. Um, pretty good match. Uh, you can go one out of three here, two out of three if uh, you're being generous. And then the daily sports tag titles. Big long story there if you've listened to the Joshi 2010s journey over on the Patreon or uh, the eventual free versions that come out, All Japan Women Destiny podcast. And then you know the little history behind the daily sports tag titles. Uh, Raideen, Hagane, and All Cap Saki. So All Cap Saki is very frequent into Pure J. Uh, she gets booked a lot uh, for this promotion. And her and Raideen uh, uh, successfully defend the titles against uh, Momotani and Kazuki in 15 minutes. Did not find a version of this. And honestly... With uh, Kazuki going for the tag titles at Cork and All in a semi-main event. Can't say I'd be too excited for that. Uh, if you're familiar with my opinion over on the Joshi 2010s, you know where I'm going with this. If you're not, well, Kazuki is not very good. And she's been around for like 20 years at this point. Uh, in those early JD Star days, uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, she was not good then. She's not good 10 years ago, and she's certainly no good now. Uh, and yet, there's a lot of this uh, this booking that is just simply veteran over young people. Um, we'll get more into Kazuki as we uh, do the monthly Pure J reviews. But Momotani is someone to keep an eye on. She's a big spitfire out there. She came over from Actress Girls when Actress Girls decided, ah, you know, we're not going to be a wrestling promotion, but yes, we are, and then kind of, and then we're just going to make a new roster and pay people probably less. Because <laughs> uh, that's how they work. Uh, really like Saki in Pure J as a tag specialist. I think that's where she flourishes, and that's kind of uh, how they book her. So that's fine. And then the main event was the Pure J Openweight title. Uh, you was the defending champion here. Why you, you, uh, she is sort of a completely different wrestler in this promotion compared to her tag team with over in Sendai with Chihiro Ashimoto, where they're kind of these goofy, uh, we eat and flex, uh, tag team over there. And then in stardom with the just geek squad that is the Neo stardom army with the Nai Takahashi. 
Uh, here in Pure J, she's kind of more of a no-nonsense, uh, not gimmicky house show wrestler. Um, if you remember, I spoke very poorly over her title match with Mayuki over in Oz Academy. Uh, now here, <clears throat> uh, was not able to see the match, but I did find a full written review <laughs> over in Japanese, so forgive the Google translations there, but uh, essentially what happens is Hanako Nakamori uh, gets her ass kicked by YUU, fights back, and then uh, gets her with a couple flash kicks. Uh, it's almost like a running uh, f- um, uh, flash magic, but she does the kind of front of the foot instead. Uh, almost like a like a soccer kick uh, that's diving. And she hits a couple of these, and then she does what I call the pure J roll. You kind of trap the arm and float over. Uh, and that's how uh, she wins the title from YUU. Uh, you know, very strange that when you look across the booking of one U, uh, she doesn't get pinned very often, like almost at all. She's she's extremely protected, whether that's her decision or not. I'm not sure, but she's always heavily protected that you can't just beat her clean. It's very strange to me. It's always either a banana peel roll up or or, or a, a roll up like in this case, instead of just going one, two, three to the mat. But Hanukkah Nakamori goes into her, uh, we'll call it fifth reign. Eh, th- you know, if we if we count the JWP title reign and when the company went under uh, and then the the start of the pure J title, you know, I mean, Hanuk- Hanukkah Nakamori, she's the best in this promotion. It's without question. Uh, she should be the champion right now until you can build someone else up to beat her. Uh, and then uh, post-match, we had Raideen Hagane come out and challenge for the January 8th show. <clears throat> and that <clears throat> that January 8th show is available on their YouTube membership. Uh, so I implore, if uh, this sounds interesting to you, then go seek out the membership. It's, it's 10 bucks, you know, much like everything else. Uh, and they... Uh, frequently upload all of their shows in a timely manner. And now I'll do some rapid fire here. Uh, Ice Ribbon, Ribbon Mania. Let me pull that card up. Uh, I really only want to talk about two matches uh, from that Ribbon Mania card. Uh, I did check out the whole show, um, but... uh, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, not a lot of people are watching Ice Ribbon these days. Eight fifty six at Corken Hall. It's kind of their biggest crowd in a little while, but don't let that uh, fool you because um, it's another retirement. So retirements draw. It's the end of the year. Restrictions are being lifted, and uh, this should be their biggest show of the year. And this is kind of a trend. If I, I posted uh, in the Discord kind of the uh, the second half of Ice Ribbon's year uh, compared to other pandemic years and pre-pandemic. And uh, we would have to go back to 2012 and 2013, the post-original Exodus, when they were pulling in uh, numbers this low uh, in, in, a, in a six-month period. <clears throat> so... I'm not very, uh, I'm not, let, let's just say I'm not betting on an ice ribbon bounce back year for 2023. Uh, I mean, really, uh, 
it really depends on what they're doing. And there's a lot of rumors floating around about Asahi taking a long break from wrestling or straight up retiring again. Uh, Cause she was, remember guys, uh, she, she suffers from, uh, you know what? I won't, I won't go there, but we get the idea. So Suzuki defeats Yuki Mashiro uh, for the retirement match. Uh, not really into that very much. Uh, Yuki Mashiro was kind of, she was fine at first, but, you know, three years and she's done. She pretty much wrestled only in the pandemic. And uh, there was also some speculation over Suzu Suzuki's presence and uh, not coming out for the retirement ceremony itself and kind of bouncing the back. Take that for what it's worth. Uh, I have no speculation to make there. I'm sure there's still some like side eyeing going on among the roster because, you know, contrary to what uh, you, you, you'd you hear from other podcasts about Ice Ribbon is fine. Uh, they know what they're doing. Um, this exodus isn't going to mean anything. I mean, it certainly has. You heard it here all the time when it happened that you just will not see Risa Sarah and Suzu Suzuki and the group back in the promotion. And they they weren't all year until this point right, right here where Suzu's coming back for a one and done. Uh, and for them losing 70% of their roster and then not using Mayuki in main events. I mean, Mayuki, he was in the opening 10-man tag at their biggest show of the year. I mean, you just you just shrug your shoulders and go, this is what this is what they want. This is what they're doing. While Unamanase is going for the tag titles in the semi-main event. Sure, I guess. 17 minutes that went with Totoro uh, losing to Ibuki Hoshi and Hikaru Shida, the ribbon tag title champions. And uh, Shida cuts this just baffling promo in the post-match, call it, essentially calling Ibuki Hoshi a loser, uh, even though they're the tag champions. Tells her if you lose a single match before Shida comes back to Japan, uh, Shida will vacate these tag titles. And you won't you won't see here. But when she comes back, it'll be her last match with Ice Ribbon. So essentially, don't be a loser, you fucking loser. Is very strange. I don't know what to make of this, but I mean, it seems like it's a collision course where Ibuki Hoshi is going to win the uh, Ice Infinity title at least at that half year mark. Uh, at some point between May and August, I would imagine is is the estimate. Because uh, I see, honestly, I see no reason why to take the title off of Sariano unless you're just going to put it on Sheeta, which is a very possible outcome with the way this promotion's going. Uh, Tsukasa Fujimoto looks like she's not coming back anytime soon, so there's no reason to bank on that. Or they just hold it until she comes back, in which then we're probably in for another Tsukasa title run. Not sure what the excitement level would be of that. I know I wouldn't be at this point in time. Uh, but uh, Sariano defeats Asahi in just under 20 minutes. You know, I went one out of three. It's like a three and a quarter Big Dave Star type match. Um, I didn't get any motion out of it. I know a couple of people did. I just think it's very low level. I think we got at least a couple years of building uh, to get to a lot of these wrestlers putting on kind of the, the just these like higher end matches and I think we've seen what Sauriano is is capable of as a main event singles wrestler and unless she's with a person that's higher than her in level or star power these matches just come off as flat and just waiting for the little goofy roll up bridge finish that she has uh it has a 7.82 on cage match with 33 votes um 
you know, I think that's a little high, but, uh, you know, generally when you get, you, you know, when you get fans into these matches, I mean, hell, the Mickey James Jordan Grace match has almost an, uh, has almost a night on cage match. And I certainly think that's a little better than Aono Asahi here in, in Ice Ribbon, but clearly uh, the story was much, uh, it, it, it vibed with the audience much more an impact than this match did for Ice Ribbon. I think a lot of people thought Asahi was going to win, and I'm just like, I don't know. It sure doesn't seem like she's being booked that way, and neither is Ibuki Hoshi. It's, they're, they're, they're not putting the gas pedal on them. They're not giving them big wins uh, to get to these points. Uh, who knows? Uh, we could be looking at a, a freelance stage for Ice Ribbon uh, going forward here. Uh, 2023 is going to be a very side-eyeing year for the promotion. And what used to be one of my favorite Joshi promotions to watch, I just don't I, I just don't think outside of a few matches a year, I, I will be covering uh, much of this promotion uh, going forward. Um, okay. Uh, Oz Academy. Uh, you know, Akino defeats Ozaki. Uh, I ended up watching that match. It was okay, I guess, from an Oz Academy standard. Lots of interference. Lots of people just wrestling in the match when they're not in it. Uh, Ozaki cheating, but then not. And Akino wins, and she cuts a promo that this... She literally calls this promotion old and boring and wants to get more young people in it. <laughs> so, between... Between Sheeta saying Ice Ribbon is full of losers and Akino calling this calling the her own promotion old and boring when she's in her fifties herself, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, Wave <clears throat> started out the year with uh, Hikaru Shida defeating Risa Sara uh, for the to retain the title, and I would say the match was pretty fire outside of when they just started stacking and hitting each other with luggage. Uh, it was a good finishing stretch, but. Wave is too goofy. They never have any sort of direction or plan or story with anybody. Uh, right now, it just seems like it's Sheeta, and she comes in on vacation and just beats people. Uh, this should have been a bigger match. I mean, Sheeta and Risa Sarah uh, would have been a big ice ribbon match, you know, five, six, seven years ago. Uh, and now it's it's drawing like 300 people uh, to, let, let's see, what did this, uh, let me see what this got. Cage match wave. Uh, especially since it's January 1st when this show started. You know, really kick off the year strong. Uh, for Yeah, they went to Shinjuku face and they got 353. Um, I, I guess that's a good number for, for wave. Uh, one of their stronger attended shows uh, if we compare to 2022, but... You know, at Shinjuku Face, you kind of want to break four, four fifty minimum, and they they did not do that. When I know, still some restrictions are are here and there, but uh, you know, guess we'll take it from there. Um, okay, uh, time to talk some Tokyo Joshi Pro. Uh, I went two out of three for the Risa Sarashita match, despite the uh, the luggage comedy that they ended up going into. Got to pull up my uh, TJPW drops here. Uh, let's see here. Where you be? TJPW. There you are. Let's play it. 
Okay. <clears throat> so, TJPW, their annual January 4th show that they still treat like a big deal. Uh, they treat this on the level as like their grand princess and summer sun princess deal. But, um, I mean, they're after this, they're gearing up for the Max Hart tournament. Take for take that for what it's worth. Oh, Dragon Gate. They announced a, a tag tournament themselves all throughout February. I'm actually kind of interested in that. But uh, regardless, Tokyo Joshi Pro 23, Corken Hall, 1,111 people. Nice little attendance there, but they're still not. They're they're still gearing back up from what they were pre pre pandemic when they were uh, well <laughs> close to selling the sucker out. Uh, this was um. God, let me just run down the card here. Rookie Himawari loses to Yuki Aino. Jiri Nagano and Moka Miyamoto defeat Arisu Endo and Wakana Urihara. Uh, still waiting on that big Arisu Endo win. Uh, she's two years into her career, still with nothing. So again, we're just... Even though she's significantly better than... Do I want to say half the roster? She's still booked like she's the uh, one of the lowest on the totem pole. Very strange. Uh, there was a trios match not worth talking about there. Hyper Masao and Shoka Nakajima yet again have their annual goofy hardcore match deal. It went to a draw of drawing, so take that for what it's worth. Um, I thought it was kind of trash. Uh, then they had this very strange six-man gauntlet match where Mizuki defeats Hikari Noah, Maki Ito, Rika Tatsumi, Suzume, and Yuki Kamifuku. 17 minutes, but really it came down to everyone gets eliminated in about three minutes, and then Maki Ito and Mizuki had a six-minute match, which was pretty good. Uh, really makes you want just a straight Mizuki-Maki Ito match instead, and why they just didn't book that as a number one contenders match. But regardless, that's the move they did. Um, I mean, I thought the gauntlet was pretty just time filling until we got that good six minutes. So, uh, one out of three recommendation there. Um, Yo Watanabe successfully defeated Trish Adora in 10 minutes to retain the IP title. Um, yeah, I would have liked to see them cook a little bit longer. Uh, but instead it's, I was feeling generous. I went two out of three with this one. But um, it's definitely on that lower end. I, you know, three and a half stars, three and a quarter kind of deal. Uh, Mia Watanabe, you know, will she... I mean, the biggest question here is, will she be booked for something once we get past this IP title run? Because that's the biggest question. Because everyone who's had this title before her at this point uh, has gone on to do essentially nothing for the promotion. Uh, Hikari Noah uh, just eats falls left and right. Maki Ito went to GCW. Kamifuku's been in the mid-card doing jack-all. I mean, the list goes on. But still, Trisha Dora seemed like she was tailor-made for TJPW, and it would be... You know, it'd, it'd, be, it'd be cool if these uh, foreigners that come into TJPW, uh, we see them come on a tour for a few months rather than rather than they just come in for one-off matches and then we don't see them for months on end. And uh, that'll actually take me into a nice little segue into the uh, Sake Kai Yuki Rai tag title match, which went under 12 minutes against the Wasteland War Party 
Heidi Halvitzer, and Max the Impaler. Now, Max the Impaler has been a pleasant surprise in TJPW. She definitely fits in character-wise, but, uh, you know, in-ring-wise, <clears throat> it's a lot of grunting and no-selling and eventual selling, but uh, Yuki Arai stood no chance in this match. Heidi Halvitzer was, I mean, she's not great either, but, uh, I, you know, the match was okay, but we kind of expect a little higher uh for a, I, I would say that the, the bar is higher for TJPW these days than what we got here. And I got to call this uh Rewa AA Cannon tag team title reign uh, of Saki Kai and Yuki Rai kind of a failure. Uh, it's what started out as very promising and finally starting to see a push uh, for someone up the card that's um, young and interesting and fresh with Yuki Rai in this case and teaming with Saki Akai. Uh, would give credibility, they ended up giving this team the worst opponents over and over again, and then to kind of lose in a shocker uh, to the to the war party here. Uh, I, 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 I'm not a fan of it. <clears throat> I am a fan of Max and what she's bringing, but uh, not in this case. Uh, now they have this tag tournament, and they're 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 not only not in it, but they're just kind of in wait for who does win it. Uh, I think that ends in at the end of February or middle around there. We'll see what happens. The main event, Yuka Sakazaki defeats Miyu Yamashita 16 minutes, 8.56 on cage match right now over hundred votes. Uh, I'm not quite that high, but I did go four and a quarter. I did like this match a lot. There was a move. There was a move early on where Yuka did the uh, the leg scissors over the top rope. Usually she does a choke and let's go, but she took Miyu Yamashita ass over tea kettle over the top to the floor, and uh, Miyu cracks her head. She bounces it right off the uh, right off the wood flooring there, and uh, she got her bell rung uh, pretty good. <laughs> and like we know the move. Every time when you know someone's got knocked loopy, their legs wiggle and rubber band out underneath them. And everyone always has the same reaction. Uh Oh, <clears throat> that's not good. And Yuka gave her like two seconds of to compose herself. And she just lifts her up and brain busters her on the mat and <laughs> lets her kind of collect herself for a good three minutes. And it's like, Jesus, that's not really <laughs> the move there. But Miu very shortly after that move, uh, seems to shake the cobwebs out, and she just goes through the match kind of normal. She psychs herself up, and uh, luckily she doesn't do a lot of heavy, high-end, high-flying moves, so she could stick with her kicks, go a little bit slower, and uh, with the pace of Yuka, this actually ended up working uh, working out quite well. And by the end of this, uh, with some good near falls, uh, hitting a couple crash rabbit heats in particular, uh, got me good. The uh, it felt like two Terminators running into each other, which I was a big fan of. And honestly, I think I think I think they had a plan to go at least twenty to twenty-two minutes. But with Miu's head being wrung the way it was, they ended a little early because I thought this finishing stretch did come fast. And it led into a, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still a really good match. And it's uh, it's an early uh, Joshi uh, non-stardom match of the year contender here. 
but with uh with a lot of I don't know it's um the problem is we've seen this match so many times over the course of quote unquote big shows for TJPW that in invest investing wise it, it was tough to get into from that aspect from from just a a in ring perspective and what I hope is now the kickoff of TJPW doing something fresh in 2023 because uh, with Mizuki now the number one contender and going up against Yuka it's a it's a Wrestle Princess rematch here that they're doing at uh, Ariaki Stadium which is a big venue they got to fill up very curious if they're gonna they're gonna break two or 2,500 people for that one but um, as I've been saying like I really think they uh, they missed the boat on Mizuki uh, over the last couple of years uh, and now they have a big job in trying to heat this woman up and uh, with this uh, tag tournament, I don't get the feeling that they're doing that well enough. Uh, Music Key should have had uh, some much bigger wins going into the show and then having a definitive win over someone of credibility like a like a Shoko would have, I think, really built this matchup well, but they really like their traditional kind of goofball stuff. And that's the direction they went. Uh, big match, Yuka. I, I do love her a lot. I hope it's a. It's it's interesting because her title reign with her with her couple defenses, uh, whether it was against Billy Starks or now with Mia Yamashita, like this title reign's been good. Uh, the matches have been very solid, uh, but we need we need fresh stories. We need fresh opponents. Uh, we we maybe maybe the outsiders isn't the worst idea. Um, I would love to see a Rika Tatsumi match with Yuka. Uh, I, I I want I want some I want some fresh opponents and some doubt. And to now do what uh, Russell Princess one was uh, years later at this point now because <laughs> we just had Russell Princess three uh, to do this at Ariaki, it definitely feels like it's too late. Um, I'm wondering what the TJPW fan base is feeling and what, how they're going to react to hopefully a music, title win here. And, uh, you know, point for LLPW in that one, but it wouldn't shock me if you could just straight up retains and they build up to something, uh, different and interesting. And the thing is the champions now in AEW working for a month, she's not doing ta- She's not doing the tag tournament. So how do you, how do you heat up the matchup if the champion's not there? And, you're focused on a tag tournament with the eventual winners facing Wasteland War. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very strange. I, I'm definitely more hyped for what Pure J has to offer than, than TJPW right now, even though I believe that TJPW will wipe the floor uh, with non-stardom in uh, big main event type title matches for 2023. Okay. Whew. Collect my thoughts here. Get some uh, get some drinking going on. Pull up the Stardom Cage match. Oh, hello, Kitty. Man, he's cold. <laughs> he's going under blankets next to me. All wrapped up under here. Uh, okay. Uh, I think it's only right that I play what needs to be played here. <laughs>
Okay. So with that, it is time to go into stardom. And we got uh, we got Dream Queendom uh, to go over, and then essentially the start of uh, the Triangle Derby. We got three days that we can cover, and I believe they just had a fourth and a fifth here. And uh, Dream Queendom at the uh, Real Goku Goku again. Uh, 3,869 people there. The largest stardom attendance uh, in the promotion's history. Uh, don't kid yourself about <laughs> that Yuzuki Aikawa retirement show at Sumo Hall. Uh, that was not as much as this. Uh, but regardless, this is their largest attendance, and it was the it was a one-match show with the culmination of Julia uh, winning the title. Uh, from Sherry, someone who's been a pushed commodity and strong, unbeatable ace of the promotion, essentially, for the past couple years, uh, next to Tommy and, and Mayu, uh, this was the story of Julia. And uh, it did not disappoint. So for all of my... This is what I, this is what I want to make clear. Um, would I have booked the Outsider's story for Dream Queendom to end the way it did on this show, I would not. Is Haruka Umasaki a fitting opponent in the semi-main for what is now the largest stardom show of all time? I would not. Uh, especially with how cold a lot of the matches felt. Now with that out of the way, since it was built up as a single match show, all eyes on the main event, and all eyes on Julia really taking the bull by the horns and winning this thing and is clear the person that stardom is going to focus on for 2023. I'm calling this an, an unmitigated success. I mean, this is, it's just a further example of why stardom is the number two promotion in Japan right now, a top five promotion in the world, uh, attendance wise. And the match absolutely delivered. And then some, it got uh, four and three quarters from Big Dave there. It has a 9.46 on cage match out of uh, 250 plus votes. Uh, I gave this match five stars. Like, without question, it, it it accomplished everything I wanted it to, to do and more. The match went 29 minutes, 51 seconds. Uh, and they did everything that I wanted them to do. Shuri has been unbeatable. No one's kicked out of Julia's Northern Lights Bomb. No one's kicked out of Shuri's uh, flipping one-wing angel variation. Uh, they they did it all. And it took everything, including the kitchen sink, and just gnarly moves inside and out of the ring to put each other away. And I love that story uh, for the culmination of getting to the top. This person has been unbeatable. What do you have to do to put them away? Well, you yourself have to become unbeatable. Uh, there was the huge suplex off the ramp into the pile of chairs. Julia just cracks her head on the back of a chair as she threw Shuri. Uh, they they did. Uh, I really loved the story of them essentially telling the story of D DDM, which has been a huge faction push over the last couple of years with the entry of Julia and Shuri into stardom. Uh, with and and be, <laughs> I loved how Julia struggled to use. Because Shuri had kicked out of her unbeatable finisher, Northern Lights Bomb, she used her faction member's finisher and, uh, as, as a last resort. She had to use the, um, the Anka Bomb that Micah uses, and she couldn't quite you know, get the motion right because it's not her move. She, ha she had to 
power up Shuri the best she could to get the concussion, the running, the running power bomb down. Uh, Shuri's hitting a Northern Lights bomb because she doesn't know what to do anymore. I, I I love shit like that in wrestling and comparing it to the Kenny Omega Osprey match in the sense that you know I went five stars over there as well. The difference in the stories being told, and the difference in execution, the difference the promotion uh, were making the matches uh, just hit me in other ways uh, for me loving the match. I mean, this is this is my 2022 match of the year. I mean, it's without question. I think it told the best story, told the best in-ring story, and it had the most satisfying ending uh, that I think we all wanted uh, to to uh, finish off what has been a journey for Julia and a, ju- a journey for Shuri over the last few years as well. Uh, an excellent, excellent match. I can't wait to see what this Julia Reign has in store, and we got some uh, we got some good teasers and uh, official makings uh, when we get to talk about um, a little bit of the Triangle Derby, and then just kind of running down the rest of the card, uh, we had. Azumi defeating Hikari Shimizu in a nine-minute match. Typical high-speed stuff there. Nothing to write home about, I feel. But it was okay. We had a uh, Triangle Derby preview uh, trios match with Stars, which was fine. The return of Mina Shirakawa teaming with Unagi, taking on My Sakurai and Tekla. Nice little return match, and it really got to highlight what Mina is going to do over the next few months as she gets elevated uh, kind of off to the side of Cosmic Angels, she's got her own thing going on called Club Venus with the UK duo of Zaya Brookside and Maria May. And there was some question marks over the Gaijins coming back into stardom. And if you've been a longtime stardom fan, you know the bar is low <laughs> when it comes to Gaijins. But I got to say, uh, Zaya Brookside has certainly improved from years ago. Uh, so that's nice to see improvement. That's all I ask. And then Mar- Maria, Maria, Mariah, Maria May, uh, she's got she's got speed to her, and she's got real, real potential there. And if we can get a good three, four months out of Maria May, maybe even a tag title match on a nice little house show somewhere, uh, whether that's teaming with Mina or Zia Brookside or hell, could they win the Triangle Derby? I don't know, but. It's been a pleasant surprise to see what Maria May does, and if we can if we can kind of get her uh, and Zaya to give us a good little three four months, and then they you know you get a couple good matches out of them, uh, they're they're built up fairly well. It, the the whole job is for them to help elevate Mina to the next stage and possibly be the next person to win the Wonder of Stardom title and uh, carry that white belt for a few months herself. Then I think job well done, because that's the whole point of this this Club Venus thing. Um, I like what I see, and then they can leave the territory. And I think that'll accomplish uh, what it's set out to do. Uh, Goddess of Stardom, number one t- title match. The three-way, eh, you know, ten minutes. Kind of banged a little bit. Uh, Ruaka and Tora kind of stayed out of the way while uh, the new era, Amisure and Mirai, just banged heads with Himika and Micah well. Himika and Micah went over. Very much appreciate that. That's what needed to happen there. Kyrie and Utami went to a 15-minute draw. Very much expected. You weren't going to give away a big match like that uh, so soon. But honestly, <clears throat> knowing what we know now, I think Kyrie should have just beaten Utami. <laughs> but this was my second favorite match on the on the show. 
uh, just good wrestling, and um, it makes me want to see more. Much like the Kyrie Tam match, I want to see, I want to see good singles matches with Kyrie. And yes, she went to the thirty-minute draw with Saya. She did the fifteen-minute draw with uh, draw with Utami. She only got five minutes with Tam. There is a sense of dissatisfaction there when we're on we're you know we're we're tired of the putzing around with the Kyrie. We 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 want to see worthwhile things with her in stardom, and right now. With the with the mixture of the draws and leading up to the Wrestle Kingdom match, which was cut for time, and then the Mercedes Monet uh, debut, it all seems like Kyrie's kind of in her own universe for New Japan rather than being uh, a, a purpose for Stardom. Uh, that's my critique of it. Artist of Stardom title match: uh, the uh, Ice Ribbon Quitters, Risa Sara, Karumi, and Suzuki defeat. Uh, Oedo Tai, Momo, Saki Kashman, Starlight Kid. Uh, look, Suzu and Starlight Kid, they had a good interaction in there, but really it was a lot about like building Legos and doing goofy hardcore spots um, rather than having an actual match. It went 16 minutes. It just kind of felt like it went on forever. Uh, I don't know. Two out of three. This, this whole show, with the exception of the main event, was like was like a two out of three recommendation. Everything is somewhere between three and three and a half stars. So nothing's bad, but nothing's blowing the roof off. Everything seems below satisfactory for what the bar of stardom uh, has been in 2020, uh, the last couple of years, actually. Uh, Nanai and you win the tag titles over Natsupoi and Tam Nakano, another 16-minute match. Uh, a, a very baffling move, as I much say. Uh, Nanai Takashi, she can't move. That knee is shot. Uh, she she took uh, two bumps to Tam Nakano, zero selling to Natsupoi. Really stood out to me. I do want to bring this up, though, because Natsupoi got no offense on her own against either opponent. Are, is Stardom telling me a story now? Because now that we've gone through a couple days of the Triangle Derby and Natsupoi's eaten pins there, too, are they telling me a story that Natsupoi is too weak? For Tam Nakano? Is she costing her the matches? Is there some dissension there? Is is there an eventual rift? Or is this stardom themselves telling me that Natsupoi, good babyface, but we have no plans for her. So she's the one that's just going to eat all these falls. Because uh, it's not just Nanai and, and you doing the no-selling job to Natsupoi. It was also... Suzu Suzuki and Risa Sarah in the Triangle Derby. She's she's very much getting she she's looking at the lights a lot and she's not getting a lot out of it. Maybe I'm looking too far into this, but that really dragged a lot of her matches down for me lately is she's just not getting any credibility across. And I'm really really starting to give up with with Natsupoi and I'm a big fan of the Natsumi Maki. Uh, she just seems like it, she's a high-speed wrestler that's out of her division. And that's very disappointing for me to say. Uh, you, This was essentially a handicap match as well. Because uh, the first seven minutes uh, was about Nanai, no selling. And then she just got out of dodge. And she would come in and break up an occasional pin. But really, it was a good half of the match was you 
YUU fending off the tag team of Natsu Point Tam, Tam Nakano. Because I'm not giving YUU any credit here either, even though she did she did manage to have a hot sequence of events with Meltier, but when it was just her alone, she doesn't sell or bump much either. She she bumps more than than that Takahashi in this case, but I'm really not into this tag team at all. I think they really drag down uh, the pace of every match that they're in. And, it, I mean, is this going to be a case where, I mean, the good story to me would be Himika and Micah win these titles from them and their transitional champions. And then the eventual story is Meltier coming back, uh, going through the NSA here and getting to the tag titles. That's the superior story in my mind. Or even Meltier goes through and eventually wins these things and pins these people clean to the mat. But I don't think that's where we're going. I have a very bad feeling that Micah's going to eat this pin clean to Nanai Takahashi in particular. And then we just move on, and it wouldn't shock me if these titles end up getting vacated and and uh, nobody gets put over. Uh, I'm, do- I'm very doom and gloom with that right now, but you know, I'm not, just like Jeff Jarrett, I'm not falling for it. And until I'm proven wrong, it's I'm not falling for it at all. Sai Kamatani, uh, big match girl coming in against Haruko Masaki. 16 minutes here again. So you see a pattern here with the 15 minutes, 16, 16, 16. Uh, everyone was given an X amount of time, pretty much the same, and they all ended about the same. Uh, Umasaki, this was the biggest match of her career uh, by a long shot, and she just does not have the credibility to be in a spot like this, and the crowd didn't get into it either. It was even tough for me as an Umasaki fan to get into the match, uh, but luckily, Sai Kamatani is willing to do and try whatever it takes to get a match over. Uh, there was a wacky moment where it looked like she went for a neckbreaker variation and then just kind of missed uh, when she floated to the outside there. And then they kind of stared at each other and go, well, that didn't work. And then they got back in the ring. And it really wasn't until Umasaki started throwing the hard forearms and going back into her comfort zone that this match really started to uh, get back into a groove. Uh, that turned out to be fairly enjoyable to me. I wouldn't put it on the, I, I I don't even think I'd put this on the level of even the artist stardom title match or the Kairi Utami, but it did end up having some sort of interest uh, to, to guide me into the later stages of the match. Umasaki needs to be put in more positions like this across the scene, you know, less, less undercard title matches and more main events that she can get better at big time singles matches like this. and. A lot of the scene is struggling with this right now. Uh, and I can point to Pure J as one of those promotions that struggle. I can point to Wave, where they, like, the lack of main eventers across the scene with the ability to do higher-end singles matches is very desolate. And this was a good case of someone that should be there already at their stage of their career. But when I look at a match like this, they need more practice. They need more ring time in, in doing matches like this. And uh, hopefully that's a sign of the future that Umasaki can be in more positions like this. Uh, and we don't have to just randomly throw in people into semi-made events on huge shows. Uh, honestly, I would have rather have seen Mirai in this position on the show. And no, she wouldn't have had to win the title. 
I just I just think that would have been a more investing match because the next challenger was Ami Sure. And that would have made more sense story-wise with taking on the new era. The literal team name uh, for Saya Kamatani. G- get into her her V13 against Momo Watanabe, which was announced. So, <clears throat> one match show. Uh, I hope this is uh, something we'll be looking forward to as we continue on with stardom. And then we move on to the Triangle Derby. Got the opening round, Yokohama Budokan. 1,600 people there, a big success uh, to start off the year, really cementing something good. Uh, the two big things to take out of this show was more uh, Club Venus um, impression. And then the 15-minute draw of God's Eye against Queen's Quest for the Derby. And then the main event of Mayuki really going after Julia, in which Rebel Enemy uh, knocked off DDM to start off the league. And that really established uh, Maya as another main event player to really take notes. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad that she's in this position. Because, look, the indie scene had... I'm not. I'm not taking TJPW for lightly, uh, for granted here either. They, along with the scene, had Mayuki available for an entire calendar year, and they just didn't do anything with her. Nobody did, and we start off the year strong with Stardom really bolstering up again. It's Julia against her enemies, <laughs> and all these enemies are Mayuki, Suzuki, Natsupoi, probably. Um, I'm still not sure that's going to happen. Uh, might do something else along those lines, but I'm excited for this. And Suzu was the first challenger to come out of this match, and they made that for the big February show coming up in a couple weeks, and that will that should get everyone pumped for B1 and a good sign for what Julia's title reign is going to be. And, man, it wouldn't shock me if they kind of stick with Julia's first reign here as like a five-, six-month deal uh, in which she just tackles her enemies, they take it out of her, and then the first like true stardom person that comes along, uh, whether that's, um, man, who could that be? I mean, for all I know, Mayu could win this title from her, and uh, that'll set up uh, something big for Julia's second reign, where then she can take on the stardom, uh, <laughs> the stardom roster members. Uh, that would shock me if that's kind of a plan here. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Anything happened? Cork and Hall. 821 people here, so not great. But this is on the offsets of the January 4th craze and uh, a lot less people going to shows after they spent a ton of money over the holidays. Um, good, good Cork and Hall showing for Club Venus. Kind of my takeaway there. Uh, we go to... Ah, Nagoya. Yes. Uh, 1,071 people, kind of on par with what they're doing with Nagoya, and being that um, it was highlighted by Sai Kamatani against Ami Sore in the main event. I went one out of three with that one. I just thought it was a little too basic, not enough innovation. I didn't see enough from Ami Sore, or even Sai Kamatani for that matter, that really uh, extended out of first gear for me. But I still enjoyed it. It was still pretty solid. Uh, I just can't like give it a high recommendation that makes sense. Uh, the big takeaway from that was the, uh, the Starlight, Starlight Kid and a lot of people were ill so they were taken off the card so it was a lot of things uh, shuffled around here and we we ended up with an all-star tag of Micah and Utami taking on Mayu Iwatani and Shuri 
It went 30-minute draw, and holy hell, the all-star tag delivered. I adored this match. I went full three on it. It's the first full three of the year for stardom. Uh, if you want to go Big Dave Stars, I went four flat on it. I, if you went four and a quarter, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, this was just just fantastic. They, they As everyone keeps saying, they just put these four together and let them cook and... Uh, let's just say they didn't, they didn't give us a, uh, a rare steak here. They, they went well done on the effort level. I, I, I really like this. This really gave me, uh, the vibes of an old AJW Cork and match, uh, Cork and Hall in between their big shows where they just stuck four of their best players together, like Minami Toyota and Kyoko Onoe taking on like Akira Hokuto and, uh, Aja Kong. That's just that's just what they did. Just chucked them all together and said, "Go for it." And that's what they did. And they de- and they delivered. And the undercard delivered too, as well. Um, I in fact liked the Cosmic Angels uh, Ice Ribbon Quitter match. Uh, I mean, that's where Natsupoi got pinned yet again. <laughs> and then we had Tam's Homecoming show. Uh, not much to take out of here. Uh, they got Seven Eleven uh, in Aichi, which uh, isn't isn't too bad. Um, Real highlight here was uh, the Tam Nakano Waka ending at the end there uh, as they celebrated Tam's homecoming. And then, um, you know, another good showing for Club Venus as they defeated the DDM team of Micah, Mai, and Lady C. Uh, As we look ahead to stardom, we're gearing up for the February, I think it's the February 4th show in Osaka. (laughs) And, oh my God, I was dying. So here's the plan for Osaka. We got Suzu against Julia. We got the wonder title on the line of Saya Kamatani and Momo Watanabe. And here's a question. I don't think anyone has a question that Julia is beating Suzu Suzuki, but uh, is there a chance that Momo Watanabe crashes Saya Kamatani's party to beat the record and then we get a Momo Watanabe Naito-like intercontinental title run? where Momo's goal has always been, I want the red belt and nothing more. But now she's got a little pride here where she's like, well, I can't have my record beaten. That would be silly. And then she has this title that she's not really interested in, but she has to defend it. Uh, I think it'd be a good... I'm leaning Momo's going to win this thing. And it's going to shock a lot of people. And because it's Momo Watanabe and she... I We could be looking at a nice, simple little four-month, th- three-month run or even less, with Momo as, as the white belt champion. I'm really leaning that she's going to win this thing. And that'll be the, that'll be, I think, I think it would be a fitting end to Sayakamatani with this white belt. And that could also open up a lot of people. And even if she retains, we still got a lot of people that she could, she could face off between uh, Starlight Kid, uh, another Mirai match, and a host of other people. Uh, that could viably take this title off her. I think we're definitely at the point now where anyone who challenges Sai Kamatani has a good chance that they could win this title. And I think that's a good place to be in. She's held this title for well over a year now. So uh, there's there's some good booking going on there that I'm into. Then we have... What else is on that show? We have uh, Mayu Iwatani's Doi Darts variation that uh (laughs) so back at the um back at the uh oh what show was that it was the it was the nagoya show right yeah it was it was in it was in the nagoya one 
we're in the post match. Mayu wants all these people to be in this random singles match draws, Doi Dart style. And Shuri goes, well, I got a match where I'm teaming with Konami. That's really important to me. And I want to face Utami. And Utami goes, you know, Mayu, I really don't like your idea. I don't want to be a part of it. I want to do this tag team match with Shuri. And then Micah goes, I have a tag title match, girl. <laughs> I can't be in this thing. You know? So, whatever the outcome of this uh, Doi Darts Mayu concoction is, I think it, I think it gives some interesting options for what the undercards could be, and then we have the upper cards filled with your title matches. I do kind of like that. And with that, Stardom's looking good to start the year. I'm a little hesitant with a lot of these other promotions, but I hope uh, I hope that February show for Stardom really kicks this promotion into a a better gear as we've seen in in January. Uh, I do like Triangle Derby. This is basically house shows that they would probably be running, but now they have stakes. Uh, a lot of these matches are fine to good. Nice little three, three and a half star efforts here. Uh, every single team has like this designated pin eater, and sometimes they're going away from that pin eater, which keeps it interesting that any team could win and any team could lose. So at least they got that going for them, and I quite like that. Uh, very interesting that Cosmic Angels has all cap Saki there, but Natsupo is the one taking these falls. Again, do they have something in the works there? I don't know. But uh yeah, I think I think there's some good to take away, and then there's some there's some worrisome things with uh, other places on the card, but uh with the prospect of Sayakamatani and Julia at the top for the next at least month or so. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited. And again, guys, if you if you're interested in more pure J talk and uh, the depth that we're gonna go through as we go through the year with Pure J, uh, that's the Pure J's podcast on the Patreon. It will be on the five dollar tier, the uh, Nagai the Jaguar Nagayo tier. Your five dollars uh, for there. So you'll be you'll be hearing you'll definitely be hearing Pure J on RLR proper here, but you won't get the the in depth. You won't get the deep discussions. You won't. You won't get what you uh, truly want uh, out of out of the out of the topics uh, that we'll be talking about there. So it's going to be a uh, pure J year. It's going to be a TJPW and Stardom year, and then um, maybe if if something else happens uh, in the scene that catches my eye or something worth talking about, uh, I will bring it up. And with that, guys, uh, no. Retro stuff on this podcast. Again, I was recovering from illness and I wanted to take a break and I honestly just couldn't have the energy. Uh, when, look, when you're sick, the last thing you want to do is watch WCW Nitro during the Russo era. So forgive me there. But uh, hopefully in the next couple weeks, we'll be back and we'll be back on track uh, with the retro. And hope you guys enjoyed episode 120, Wrestle Kingdom Dream Queendom. I'll see you next time, everybody. <laughs>